does Pandy go through a transformation? Up until that point, she's a bitch. If you make a mess at public place, I'm watching you, you filthy dirtbags. Hello, and welcome to Bacteria Periodicals, the waiting room of Ramjack. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is John Pernasek, subbing in for a sickly Alex Green. And of course, you know him as... <laughs> wow, really wanted to throw in some sort of wrestler-type nickname. But of course, no, I, I can't come up with anything. Of course, it's it's Brad. Hi. Brad. I'm going to take you all down at the mat. Brad, Brad steampunk couples. He's going to steam you punks. Take that, punks. Chair smash. He's going to steam clean you. He's going to make you pay double the dry cleaning bill you normally pay. <laughs> With Vertical steam. Fold? No way. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, you know, that's a potential avenue, I think, for you. <laughs> I, that's, 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 that's something. If the writing doesn't work out, if the podcasting, you know, just, just, it, just leave it open. It's an option. I'm just saying that there are people I went to high school with that are quite semi-successful, quasi-independent, third-tier amateur wrestlers. Oh boy, like maybe what, in a, like an old abandoned school, like they set up like a ring? Um, no, 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 at the local middle school. They put oh, on shows. I didn't understand that I was as close as I was. Very close. It's not abandoned yet. A middle school? They, they like have amateur wrestling matches. Yeah, they do it lots, mostly for fundraisers for the school, I think. Oh, that's... Wait, is it all played with a sense of theatricality and winking? Like, we're wrestling, wink wink. Or is it real, like, I'm really trying to be a wrestler? (laughs) Oh, no, they've been really trying to be wrestlers since they were in that middle school. (laughs) Oh, good gravy. (laughs) Well, I like how we get a little bit of mythology about where you come from. (laughs) It's always a fun adventure. And now let's peel back the curtain on the dark underbelly of middle school fundraising via wrestling. Oh, God, what? Oh, I don't even want to know what they're raising money for. (laughs) We need pencils. Speaking of pencils. Speaking of pencils, um, I'm going to take you guys on a journey that I experienced. Um, If you follow me on Twitter, you lived this as well. (laughs) As it happened, moment by moment. (laughs) Over the course of, I think, three hours. Every three hours? Oh, my goodness. Every excruciating detail. (laughs) It was, you know, it's I like I like to share important information with the people. That's that's what the Internet's for. So, guys, I was at Barnes & Noble last week, and I... I observed Pencilgate. Pencilgate, 2011. <laughs> always gonna have some sort of uh, sound effect to introduce it. <laughs> oh, yeah, always. Um, this... This fellow... I, I was just sitting there, I was having a coffee, I was, I was finishing up editing the podcast and doing some work, and I look over, and there's this gentleman who, who seems to be copying a book... Okay, so yeah, maybe transcribing the most important sections. Uh, it was, and it wasn't like a regular book either. It was like one of those miniature, like tiny little gift things. Oh, like a novelty coffee table type book. Yeah, but it was like two inches tall. Oh, <laughs> like boy, you know, one okay. of those, you know, like the the guide to origami, the guide to southwestern cooking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so he's got this, and he's transcribing it with a pencil. And then I see him, opens up his pocket, and he pulls out a knife, and, like, under the table, shifty-like, he starts sharpening his pencil with his pocket knife. How big is... Okay, my first question, of course, is how big is this knife that we're talking about? Uh, it's, just, it's like an average pocket knife, like a Swiss Army knife. Okay, all right. <laughs> I just assumed that... So he was trying to be covert about it. He understood that maybe whipping out a knife... <laughs> 
It just slightly though, just slightly. Like he wasn't even really. Hold- it wasn't really even under the table. It was just like it was just like down into the side of the table. Okay, and then the shavings were just falling to the floor, straight to the ground. He didn't have some sort of like, I don't know, container that was just no. like, my my bucket of shavings. And like he had an empty cup, so I'm like, why not? If you're gonna if you're gonna shave your pencil. Why not shave it into your empty cup? Well, and also, why not just invent, you know, inv- invest, I should say, invest the 39 cents in a manual pencil sharpener or something? Yeah, or maybe a pen or a mechanical pencil. There's a world of opportunities open to this man. But he's he's just shaving under the ground. Yeah, God, I understand. And that it really is just bizarre to me. But at the same time, I can't get over the fact that it, it is kind of strange to me. I don't know. In this day and age, pencils just seem... Uh, why haven't they been completely replaced by pens? Because it's not that big of a deal if you make a mistake, is it? Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just mark it out. <laughs> Unless he's making a very precise transcription of this mystery book. I really wish you, you never did find out what the book was. I assume I, I didn't. But uh, I, um, ten twenty nine six ten p.m. is when I first noticed this. Um, six minutes in, he's he's, he's sharp, sharpening the pencil again. That's that's the pressure he's putting on this thing to write. He's investing a lot of himself in this transcription project. Yeah, it is. but I just can't stop watching this because it just keeps pulling me in. Because he's just he's so brazen with that. Like, why not? Why not clean up after yourself? Who does this? Who just makes a mess and just throws it to the ground? I like how I like how horrified you are when in reality the answer is so many people. It's but like if he was outside, that's one thing. But he's just indoors onto the grites. This is just it's inexcusable and absolutely it just can't it can't be allowed. What well, at what point didn't you tweet about how he could he uh, apparently could afford two coffees? Yeah. But he couldn't afford some sort of technology that would have allowed him to sharpen his pencil. Without the use of a knife. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was about an hour and a half later. Uh, then okay, he's got this giant Marlboro duffel bag. That's gross. With just with the, the with the brand name just emblazoned on the side. Yeah. So he's a smoker as well. So he's a huge douche. Ugh. Then he then he has a friend that comes by, and his friend joins him, and they talk for a while. And of course, they're crazy conservatives. Oh my god! First of all, wait, back up because I have to assume that you get a Marlboro duffel sports bag through some means other than a store. Or online. Like, I feel like this maybe is one of those things where, what did he do? Like, turn in 60 cigarette box tops and, like, he got this thing in the mail? Had to turn in all my Marlboro points to get my bag. Exactly. Like, yeah, like a shitty points system. Uh, I could have gotten a hat or a cozy, like a little beer cozy. But, nah, I really saved. I wanted to save up for that bag. (laughs) Uh, oh God! Do they have those accents? Like, can you hear their voices I, at all? Yeah, I can, but I uh, honestly they weren't that comical. But they were still they were pathetic. They were awful. So how 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 did you come to realize they were conservative? They were talking a lot of crazy conservative nonsense. But amongst the things they discussed was Occupy Wall Street, oh and they're like, you know, I, those uh, those people. And again, I'm giving him a ridiculous accent because he should have one. <laughs> because why not? <laughs> he, he deserves one. You know, those people don't realize, you know, all them corporations and the banks, they're what makes money. So these people wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for them. Wow. Hey, crazy world you live in. How's that doing? That's some pretty gelatin-like logic you got going on there. I mean, it's a company, right? So they make money, and, like, we need money so we can have money. So why is it considered a bad thing? (laughs) Yeah, that was about 8 p.m. Um, oh, his friend left soon after. He's still there. I, I honestly wanted to leave. I was not planning on spending that much time there, but I was just pulled in by this guy. Until finally, like, the entire store has been emptied out except you two. <laughs> right. And, of course, you know, it's it's the night before Halloween. 
So, um, at some point, like, there's people coming in that have come from, like, parties or going to parties, and, we're, and they're in costume, which was, in, you know, another interesting sight in and of itself. Sure, I'm sure it added a lot of color to what... <laughs> right. So, at one point, I'm like, I'm just gonna get up and see what he's doing, because he's finished transcribing the book. He's still, he's still sharpening the pencil and leaving sharpenings everywhere. Um, I get video of this, by the way. <laughs> I, yeah, I did see the video. Did you take that with your iPhone, or...? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, iPod Touch. So. IPod, yeah, there you go. Because, yeah, it has – the video is hilarious because it's almost like the way an iPod Touch films. It's got those, like, two bars on the sides. It's almost like the camera is obsessed with that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, zooming in on him. I love when he, kinda, he turns around because I guess he can sense me staring at him. Oh, my God. And I just pretend like I'm just using my phone. Like, whatever. <laughs> I like to hold my phone like this. <laughs> No, I'm totally oh yeah. Well, I'm like pretending to touch it, like, like I'm using it. But no, I'm just videoing you. Crazy. Who's the crazy one? I wonder if that guy's staring at me. Um. Yeah. Oh, and at one point he's measuring the pencils to make sure they're all the same size. Oh, measuring like like That's like crazy. holding them up next to each other. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. okay. I was yeah. really worried he was like making it more precise than that. Like maybe he had like a measuring tape with him. Oh no, he's just holding them up because he's got to make sure the same they're the same size. Because he's a crazy demon. Fuck. So hold on, the people in the Halloween costumes. Uh, did they add anything to the story outside oh, of just yes. being? Oh, they did. Okay. <laughs> yes, they did. Because at one point I was like, I'm just tired of sitting, so I've got to get up and see what's going on. So I, you know, I'm I'm just like packing up my stuff and I'm I'm walking around. He's finished transcribing the book at this point, but he's doing something else and I can't see what it is. But I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to know. So I just like I just like you know walk around and I and I walk past him and I see he's sketching this girl that's wearing a pirate costume. Oh my god! I remember that tweet now. Oh that, my god! That and I'm like, oh no, this girl's gonna die and she her her severed head is gonna wind up in that Marlboro bag. No doubt. Someone's going to find that pirate hat, and it's going to be, like, soaked in blood. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so tell me this. Was the sketch any good, or was it crude and almost sociopathic? Um, I honestly, I couldn't tell, because it took me a second to, I, because again, I was just, you know, walking past to get a, I, it was, it was well enough that I could tell what it was. Uh Uh-huh. So, I guess it was probably decent. What, what were the indicators? Like, did you notice, like, a skull and crossbones, or... The, the costume was rather specific. Uh-huh. Uh, crazy pirate hats and all that. So With all that pirate flannery. <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't mistake a pirate. This is true. So if you're going to see a drawing of a pirate, that'll, yeah, your yeah. brain will do the work for you. It was, it was very clearly this girl that was right across the way from him that he was watching. Oh, God. I hope that girl was part of a group. I hope she wasn't, like, oh. alone. That's odd that people were going into a Barnes & Noble in costume. That's strange. Yeah. I don't understand where they could have been coming from. Is this the one? Uh, well, it's at the, at the levee. So. Okay, I assume so. Yeah. Um, I, I love that this all takes place in a Barnes & Noble to begin with because uh, Chicago has been gutted of all borders, and I think now we just have the one Barnes & Noble in this entire city. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know. I it's, it's sad because I only bring that up because how are these? How are people going to have similar experiences? There aren't going to be. Exactly. <laughs> any crazy bookstore coffee shops. <laughs> The thing is, I'd become so into this, like, this adventure of mine. <laughs> as soon as he packed up to leave, I was going to take it to him and, like, secretly video it. Hey, dirtbag, why are you leaving pencil shavings on the floor? And why are you transcribing a book? Why don't you buy it? Maybe go to your local lending library. <laughs> so you're, you were, you were going to be, like, a, a, a TMZ litter cop. I was going to be Chris Hansen. I was going to be like, um, can I ask you a question, sir? Sit down. Have a cookie. Um, <laughs> Please, finish your third uh, coffee. <laughs> uh, what, are you, what are you doing here? What's, what's, what's with the pencil shavings? What's this about? <laughs> Why don't you clean up after yourself? Do you, oh do you expect God. someone else to clean this up for you? Who the hell are you? 
<laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? It really, like, the more, the, the more I obsessed on this, the more I was so excited to, like, take him down. You unmitigated pile of garbage. <laughs> I was gonna go completely John Walsh, like, attack. Oh my god. But, like, but as I, you know, I walked, to, I walked to stretch out for a bit, and I came back and he was gone. Ugh. But so was the pirate girl. Oh no! Were the shavings on the ground? Yes. Oh god. And I tried to, I took a picture, but they didn't show up very well, so. Oh. How, how much was there, do you think? Like, just, I don't know how to kind of measure it in some sort of uh, I, descriptive I mean, way, but. Again, like, I left at, let's see, let's see what the time is here. Um. Oh gosh, it was like nine o'clock when I left. Wow. So that's it started at six thirty. Oh my god. So he did a lot of sharpening between then. Brad, I'm a little worried about you. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I was working on something for like the first hour of that, <laughs> and then I was like kind of half using the computer and half uh, watching and so tweeting yeah, only, constantly. So. Yeah, you only watched his every move for only two and a half hours. Right, it's only two and a half hours. As opposed to three and a half hours. <laughs> right, right. It's his fault, really. It is. <laughs> for being too fascinating. It was fascinating, though. Like, who transcribes a book? Who shaves shavings onto the floor in a store? Who's... Uh, who? I just... There's so many questions about this man. This man is terrifying. Yeah, the the whole transcription thing is is kind of confounding because there there could have been another way for him, or just buy the book. Like I I know that's the most obvious answer, but if you need information from that book, is it there? There's got to be some other way if you if you just refuse to buy the book. The thing is, nobody wants those books to begin with. Those are things you give people as shitty gifts. Yeah, and like it's, part of a larger like that's almost like a gift bag. Gift. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, um, this guy at work, uh, he likes golf. Here's a shitty little tiny miniature novelty golf book. I'll give it to him. Yeah, with jokes about Christmas golf party. Yeah. on each page. And I'll also get him Altoids, because he's always eating those Altoids. Yeah. Oh, boy. Nobody needs the information in these books. You can get it from Wikipedia. Oh, uh, that poor guy. I, I imagine he's not got a lot going on in his life. Except killing. And a knife. Yeah, he's got the... I was about to say, except a knife. <laughs> and a death bag. Oh, God. <laughs> if you say R one more time, I swear to God, I'll slit your throat. <laughs> Please help me! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I felt like going to see a movie in 3D, but then I saw this little book, and I thought to myself, hell, I'm not <laughs> buying it, but I'm going to write down what it says. <laughs> Oh, the the real kicker is I wish I wish we would I wish we would have that information of of just what specifically that book was. I was like I had this plan because of course I had plenty of time obviously to <laughs> plan out my attack and like right. as soon as I saw him packing up I was gonna be like all right I'm gonna ask him what he's transcribing why isn't he just buying the book why is he leaving his pencil shavings on the ground. I had so many questions. You could have also pulled, like, an espionage spy move, and, like, as you're, like, walking by the table, just, like, slowly grab the book. Like, just, like, tuck it and go. <laughs> and then you could, and then, like, I almost wish you could have, you would have been able to grab it, walk in some sort of circle, like, look at the book, and then as you come back around, just slowly <laughs> put it back on the table. And he never even noticed, because he was too busy sketching a girl that he was about to kill. Oh, uh, Just hey, awful. That book moved slightly from the last time I saw it. Uh, oh, a little book of origami secrets. There was a point where he went to the restroom, and I was 
It took every oh. fiber of my being not to go and unzip his bag and just look and see what he had. Was the book on the table? No, he went. He had taken the book back at that point. Oh. He'd already finished copying it. Oh no! I, you should have totally followed him to see where the book came from. I should have, but I, I, yeah, I kind of messed it up because I thought he was leaving, so I was getting all prepped for him, you know, to chase him out and question him. Um, <laughs> but then he wasn't, and so then I was. Then there was like an awkward moment, and I think, yeah, it would have just been too weird. Oh man, uh, he's got so many books to transcribe, so <laughs> many ladies to sketch. Yeah, I only yeah. sketch the people I find to be notable. <laughs> And you, young lady, are of note to me. So uh, that's that's Pencilgate. Um, everyone, if you make a mess in a public place, I'm watching you. Don't don't make a mess, anyone. Just oh, you're the worst if you're just a regular type of litterer. Like you know, you you finish that bottled water and then you just literally throw it to the side as yeah. you're walking down the street. You're already the worst. Don't be this specific type of litter bug. <laughs> don't don't expect someone to clean up your pencil shavings. Uh, was he doing it well or was he doing it roughly? Like, uh, uh, like a woodcutter. Like a, like a crazy person sharpening a pencil with a knife in a store. That's, like, I mean, come on. What do like you expect? With, no, but like with fine precision, like I've done this many a time. Did I make it nice and smooth? Or was it like, ah, uh, uh, uh. It was like, I've got to hurry up and get this pencil sharpened because i got to get back to transcribing this amazing book. <laughs> Man, I hate the mundane of everyday life. All this time I spent sharpening my own pencil with my knife, I could be transcribing... Like, don't you have a, don't you have some sort of device you can take photos? Take a picture of every page in the book. That's less crazy than transcribing a book. There you go. That, but then, I almost feel like that guy would feel that's too crazy himself. Like, no, I don't want to think people I'm weird. A guy with a camera taking pictures of a book? That'd be weird. <laughs> Instead, I'll just transcribe it with my homemade pencils that I used by chopping down trees in my backyard. Well, you're a crazy person, and I'm the person that's taking pictures of you being crazy. Did I mention the rubber trees? So I take the bark from the rubber trees, and then I make erases out of the rubber. <laughs> All right, guys, we are covering Jonathan's birthday pack. I'm 26 years old, and I want a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> and here it is. It's a bit late. But we got we got bogged down in the holiday season. Sometimes the belated presents are the best. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Jonathan! It's the apple. Oh. oh. Okay. Well, I have some experience with the apple. Sorry. Really, my uh, my birthday present is yet another discussion with a different person on how the apple is one of the most enduringly awful films ever made. <laughs> It really is. It's it's almost completely unbearable, except for its insanity. It achieves grotesque levels of bizarre production design that you really can't ignore, even if you're completely turned off by the material. Um, I've seen the movie, I swear to God, ten times, and I, I started watching a little bit of it before this recording, and I realized that it was just white noise at that point. I, I know it too well. It's, it's yeah. only 86 minutes long or something like that. There's, there's not much to process. I'm always surprised to find out how short it is. Because it feels like a really long time. The film came out in 1980, and the film opens, you know, it's a, it's a musical. I, I have a feeling they really wanted to make a campy, rocky horror picture show type film. There's a huge ensemble at the center of the film that's dressed in very kooky, slightly macabre, but more than off, more often than not, just over the top and campy. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the reason I was going to say the film maybe feels so long is that opening song, oh my god. <laughs> It's one of the longest sequences ever, and the song is repetitive to a fucking fault. It's, it's of course, called 
Bim's all the way. Now, uh, if if you if you're not familiar with the film, you may not know what BIM is. It's an acronym. It stands for. Uh, bu- I'm pretty sure it stands for Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Sometimes they say Boogaloo. It's like uh, Charles yeah. in Charge when they don't know how to say Pembroke or Pembroke. Uh, it's Boogaloo International Music, I think. Mm-hmm. And BIM is is this uh, kind of huge music conglomerate, and they're hosting uh, a World Vision Song Contest. Uh, oh, did I mention this is set in the far flung future of 1994? Oh, the, it's so far in the future of 1994. Film came out in 1980. Why would you pick 94 so arbitrarily out of a hat? Like, oh, the future. Eh, we'll go in 1994. Why not the year 2000? Yeah. Something. Something that at that time would have sounded vaguely futuristic. So, yeah, they're hosting this song competition, which is in actuality very similar to song competitions that we still have today in Europe, like Eurovision and uh, Melody Festival and... <laughs> Where, you know, all of these different countries and groups come together, they perform their own songs to see, like, who can go home with the pride of having won the competition. Uh, and the most popular band, this is, like, all just coming back to my brain so easily. It's like riding a bike or <laughs> learning how to use a spoon as a kid for the first time. Like, I'm doing I'm, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> BIM uh, is the most popular band. So not only is it a corporation, but their, their main group is called BIM. Right. And the two lead singers of that are... Uh, Brad, do you remember the names of the uh, lead singers of them? I do not, actually. Oh, come on now. It's Pandy and Dandy. <laughs> Pandy and Dandy. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Dandy is the guy and Pandy is the voluptuous black woman who uh, yeah. accompanies him. And they have the, that song and it's called Bims All The Way. My favorite lyric, There ain't no good. There ain't no bad. There ain't no happiness. There ain't no tears. No, kids, kids, kids! You set it up so simply. It's like a Dr. Seuss book. How could you fuck up that rhyme? Oh, I will never not be amused by that moment. Anyway. The, the one redeeming factor of this film is, like, some of the songs are rather catchy. They are. That that one is not. It's it's. I find the Bims all the mm-hmm. way to be grating. But there's others like. Uh, there's... They, well, they're they're either catchy or so insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's that's what sells it. Because honestly, the the plot of this movie is very simple. It's just vaguely strung between these epically long musical numbers. Yeah, there's there's a lot of biblical allegories shoved into the story. I mean, it's called the Apple, so. You can, you know, walk down that trail of thinking and just assume that there will be some Adam and Eve <laughs> connotations. Uh, not subtle at all. Um, uh, no. The plot boils down to, I mean, as easily as I can describe it, uh, Alfie and BB are this couple from Moose Jaw, which is in Canada, apparently. They show up to the competition and perform Love, the Universal Melody. Or is they're introduced... By this vaguely European woman who says it as Love, the universal melody <laughs> So we've got Panty and Dandy uh, Alfie and BB <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking with these character names uh, this, The song they sing, Love, the universal melody, is very popular But they're sabotaged by the evil, not at all vaguely satanic uh, <laughs> Mr. Boogalo Sabotages their performance by playing a cassette That kind of irritates and pisses off the audience Now that, okay, okay Stop right there Stop right there 
I wasn't sure if, the, if it was just the tape because it made annoying sounds that pissed off the audience, or if he has some sort of mind control tape that just made everyone go into a fury. Well, because that's what it seemed like. Yeah, the song is going really well. He puts the tape in, and it's making this like ee sound, and the audience seen at first they're like. They look up at this, you know, at the sound system almost, and they're like, hey, what, what's, what is this? What's going on? And at first you think maybe they understand that something is being done outside of the song. Right. But then they turn on BB and Alfie, and they're like, boo, we hate you now. Yeah, it's very bizarre because they're loving this. The whole problem, the reason he played the magic red tape... Is because they're they're going off the charts. People are liking this 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 lovely romantic song and, and more you, than the 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 uh, hey, uh, bim pop. Bim's all the way. Yeah. Um. And you can tell that it's more popular by the way they measure audience reactions, which is by heartbeats. <laughs> oh, this song's getting 151 heartbeats. That means it's more popular than the bim number. Quick, put it in the sabotage tape. Uh, the character who assists Mr. Bugaloo is called Shake. Shake is a black man with lucky charms on his teeth. He's my favorite character. The, the production design that I mentioned earlier, I'm really only talking about the way they get this dude to look. <laughs> He's this, awesome. This guy is crazy looking. He's got like uh, like whipped cream, like colored hair, and like, like random color streaks. His teeth really do look like they have charms on them yeah. that shine and like that man I, I I need to know what he did beyond this movie because yeah. they captured you on film looking like that dude you are crazy you sent back the gay community like 15 years just by being in that movie and acting the way you do <laughs> um well Jonathan Ray Shell is a TV and stage actor he's he's uh, also an author a director and a producer he's famous creating the role of a Nomax in Five Guys Named Mo Rusty uh, in Starlight sorry. Express and is the creative director of the Giant Olive Theater Company he was in <laughs> he originated a role and Rusty I think is the main character in Starlight Express uh huh oh my goodness so he really did have something going for himself you wouldn't be able to tell by this movie though <laughs> He's well. He's he's, he's mainly a, a theatrical actor, which he's so over the top. I guess it makes sense. He played Sweeney Todd. Oh my God! What? He's a, he's a he's a thin little <laughs> tiny black fellow. How great would that production have been? Um, I have to know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in the Angela Lansbury role was a midget Asian woman. <laughs> oh, who was also a hermaphrodite. It was a non-traditional production. <laughs> Um, okay, so Shake is the one that sabotages uh, the competition by demanding that they put in the sabotage cassette. Uh, BB and Alfie are invited to a post-competition party at Mr. Bigelow's strange Jetson-like house. Uh, and that's where, that's where BB meets Dandy, and he proceeds to seduce her by giving her vague drugs. Yeah, and he makes fun of her a lot. Like everyone's really mean to them at the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're well, la- rube. They're rubes from from Moose Jaw. You're from the sticks. What? You know the sticks. You're from the middle of nowhere. Are you even speaking English? Shut up, BB. <laughs> I hate BB. She's an she's a fucking idiot. Yeah, she's B- pretty bad. BB's naive to a point of being just mentally handicapped, and uh, Alfie is a jerk. But Alfie's ridiculously incompetent. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's impotent. Like, he can't actually do anything with his anger, but he's almost always angry. At that party, they arra- oh they sing a song, of course, uh, which is called, You're made for me, creative for me. 
Uh, that's the song to me that just kind of reeks of Rocky Horror because everyone's kind of doing vaguely doo-wop background chorus. And it's just so... It's so campy. Mm-hmm. I hate it. They uh, they go to sign their contracts. This is a terrifying world. <laughs> First of all, there's they have to they have to wait in the waiting room. An um, airport, basically. I think it's yeah. either a hotel that they're at or some sort of bizarre airport waiting area. But the thing is, they break up instead of just cutting on to the next scene where they're you know actually going in to meet the guy. Uh, no, we have a musical number in the waiting room where Boogaloo comes out and is basically you know singing about, "Hey, I'm the devil. Yeah, I'm pretty much the devil. If you didn't get it, I'm the devil." Well, that that's the one. What is it called? Uh, Life is nothing but show business in 1994. <laughs> and of course, why? What else would it be? <laughs> It's 1994. Like, of course, we'll all be terrible people in that. And by that point, I uh, remember 94. Well, Al- Alfie, Alfie, and BB are sitting amongst the other uh, auditioners. And what's so strange is that so many of them are clearly not music acts. They're, like, variety acts. Right. One of them is a clown. Well, you know, I think there's a magician in there. Someone's playing the oboe. It doesn't... Cirque du Soleil is there. Yeah. (laughs) Are you talking about Ballet 2000? Yes. Of course, because Ballet 2000 is the centerpiece of these these women in, like, very uh, Chicago ragtime-esque shiny dresses. That number... It's so poorly filmed, first of all. Like, I could just say it's insane, because of course it is. It's so poorly shot. Um, it's, they, well, even worse than shot is the audio. It's it's echoey. It is. It's like they it's film they the, are they, in yeah. that space. The ensemble is enormous for that for that fucking number. Um, they're up in the, the balcony area. They're on different floors that you can see. Uh, and they just basically filmed this entire sequence in this one spot. The problem is the choreography is so ungodly terrible. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's choreography that an eight-year-old in a production of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory would look at you and be like, that's it? That's all I have to do? And yet no one seems to be able to do it smoothly or in any sort of unison. Um, and the camera can't keep up with them. Like, you, you would think that Boogaloo, who's the centerpiece of the song, should remain in the center of the camera. Yet a lot of the time the camera just seems to be lazily not tracking with them. But also, Boogaloo should not be in the song. The no. whole point of this scene is they're in the waiting room waiting to meet with him. Why are, Why is he coming down to do a musical number? I don't know. And then, <laughs> He's a busy man, damn it. And, and Shake gets his own verse where he says something like, Like a bleary-eyed baboon to an organ grinder's tune. Uh, like, the whole song is just basically saying people are idiots and they'll do anything to become famous. Which, good for you for being so prescient, I guess, the apple. Um, but your song is <laughs> atrocious. Um... So at the end of that, Boogaloo vanishes. Apparently he's gone back up to his office. And uh, this I, I was watching it uh, tonight, as I said, and that's where I stopped. But I, I know where it goes from there. <laughs> they go up to his office. Yeah, they go in to, to, to sign contracts. And the thing is, you know, our boy Alfie's like, hey, hey, look, I want to read through this thing. I want to meet. I want to take some time. They're like, no, fuck that. We ain't got time for that. BB is down. She's like, all right, whatever. I'm going to be famous. Sign well, me up. <laughs> she. They say to her, well, we have to start marketing your new album. And she goes, but I haven't recorded a new album. And they go, oh, honey, first you market the album and then you record it. it it's a little on the nose, but I, I do think it's funny. And Alf, Alfie's furious because according to him, American contracts are hundreds of pages of double 
people talk. Right. Which, in this world, I guess they are. <laughs> yeah. Alfie starts having crazy delusions at this point. Yeah, delusions that no one else is experiencing. At one point, he sees, he hears thunder, the lights go out, like he's in complete darkness. There, if, if this metaphor wasn't any more heavy-handed... Oh, so heavy-handed. This, this, this takes the cake. Yeah, well, it gets even worse, but, like... He sees a stone tablet on the wall break in half. He imagines that there is fire outside consuming the entire city. As, at a certain point, there were too many reactions of the other people going, Alfie, what are you talking about? <laughs> they no. do that like 15 times, I yeah. feel like. Alfie, we don't know what you're talking about. Come and sign this crazy contract. Um, well, because he, because he has two hallucinations. One is just the earthquake and like the cracking. And then, like, what, what's going on? And then he has, like, another hallucination, which is when he goes into the hellscape world and they do a big hell uh, song. Oh, that's the titular song, The Apple. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they go down to the bowels of hell, which is easily their most expensive-looking set. And it's completely uh, hallucinatory. Um, Boogaloo is dressed as the devil, finally. He's got... Doesn't he have one glitter horn? Yeah. Just, just one. one. Um, and he's got... Um, can I also point out this is 30 minutes into the film? Yes. Because we're just now getting to the conflict of them actually signing the contract, and we're a third of the way through. Uh, it's it's probably their most... It succeeds, I guess, as being like a showstopper, because there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of demonic, fucked-up dancers. One guy has a, a double face. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. Um, there's that. There's the uh, spaghetti monster. There's like a woman running around, like flapping her arms like a bat, but connected to her are just these random yarn tentacles. And she looks like a spaghetti monster. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of talk about praising the apple, biting the apple, licking the apple, fucking the apple. Uh, my favorite lyric from that is Dandy, who for some reason is in a Speedo, and he is not that attractive. He's like covered in gold, bronze, glitter, and it's like they really wanted him to be the hunk. Mm -hmm. But that man is not a hunk. <laughs> no. Um, but my favorite lyric is, uh, he goes, Meet an actual, actual, actual vampire! <laughs> and that's when out of frame pops a vampire woman going... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they really were writing this with a rhyming dictionary. <laughs> This wasn't even meant to be a movie musical. The original story was supposed to be a stage Hebrew musical in Hebrew. <laughs> but then the producers were like, no, 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 the story's too good. We'll turn it into an English language movie musical. Surely, yes, clearly. Great idea, great idea. A Hebrew musical, you say? Well, come on over to Hollywood. So BB signs up, she's down. Alfie's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. I'm out. Which, I, I love that you can just, you know, get one of them. Exactly. And, and they immediately turn her into a star. Yeah. She's going on her first, uh, is it nationwide tour or world tour? I can't even remember. I don't remember. Um, but they redo her look. She's got like a crazy, uh, if you think about it in hindsight, like vaguely Lady Gaga-ish look. Just mm -hmm. crazy outfits and makeup. That's Can we talk about the, um, what is it, is it, what is it, the BIM, um, the stamp, the, the Oh, mark? The, the BIM mark, yes. BIM That's mark, one of yes. the most heavy-handed allusions to the end of times. Yeah. They, uh, it's, little, it's a little triangle, and you wear it. 
Yeah, anywhere. Anywhere. You can wear it anywhere. But if you don't wear it, you're under arrest or you're fined. I don't know. Like, I hate to try and apply logic to the story because it's useless, but uh, they try to have so much of their cake while eating it, too. Mm-hmm. Because apparently BIM controls everything. They control yeah. societal policy and entertainment. Um, we know we know people are getting fined because Alfie's landlord, who is an actress from the Harry Potter films, <laughs> who would wow. go on to be one of the... Uh, she's like the... The herbology professor. Uh, I forget what the character's name is. Uh, but I love I, I love that she went on to actually do something because she is she's not really doing all that well in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's this weird Jewish stereotype. Um, she gets fined by a policeman on the street because she's not wearing her bim mark. Yeah. And Alfie's really upset because, you know, he doesn't want to wear a bim mark and he's going to go try and sell one of these songs. So what's the song he sings to his landlord? Oh, Where Has Love Gone? Yeah. It's like, oh, where has love gone? Where has love gone? Whoa, whoa. Like, it's so terrible. It's awful. And of course the studio rejects it and he's like, son of a bitch. He gets so angry about being rejected. <laughs> yeah, but can like, we talk about can we talk about one of my favorite scenes here? Oh, of course. When they're making BB into a star. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's like this training montage with a song. Oh my god, that and, song um, was terrible. They should have cut that. That's my. I think that might be my favorite song. Oh, uh, I know how to be a, a master. It's like it's, it's 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 Jamaican. It's like Caribbean. It's so he damn knows how funny. To be a master. master. And we've all, what's so insane, they should have cut it because the Life is Nothing But Show Business song, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's basically the same theme. Like, in show business, I control everything, I'm very powerful, and you'll do what I say if you want to be famous. Like, we've already covered this. Yeah, but this is funnier. We know how to be a master. master. And like she's in, yeah, she's trying to do ballet. <laughs> At one point, she's doing uh, elliptical workouts. Oh, it's so bad. And they're in terrible outfits. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just, but it's like that. I, there was a point where I was like, I just want to stop watching this. But that kept me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's so he's pouring her wine as if he's like teaching her about culture or something. I, I don't know. BB's big song as a as a superstar, the only song we see her do by herself is uh, Speed. Speed. <laughs> Speed is actually really catchy. That's probably my favorite song for the movie. It's just a metaphor about how we love America. It's like our drug. We love America and we love speed. <laughs> America, the home of the brave. <laughs> <laughs> is doing drugs to keep up the pace or something she says and there's speed I can feel the earth vibrating or whatever she says and while America starts shaking America the land of the free is shooting up with pure energy and every day she has to take more And there are these crazy motorcycles that never move, but, like, it's part of this overall set that they've created. And it's just hot women on sparkly motorcycles. And they never go anywhere. <laughs> so, Alfie's upset, BB's a, a success. It, does, it, does anything else happen between, you know, Alfie's song getting rejected and him trying to get back in contact with her and getting the shit beat out of him? 
No. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> All right. So really, yeah, there's there's really no story for that this movie's hanging on. Yeah. He, yeah, he goes to try and see Bibi. She's coming out of a venue or a concert or something. And uh, he gets the shit beat out by the bodyguards. And Dandy's like, listen, you, she doesn't want to be with you anymore, so get out. <laughs> let's, let's back up and be reasonable for a second. What was his reason for rejecting the contract to begin with? I think, <laughs> if the, well, the hallucinations of the devil weren't helping. But that's my question. It's like, wh- why did you enter the song competition if not to, on some level, get a record contract? I think he's just, yeah. he's upset over the idea of, Selling his 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 you know his art. He doesn't want to sell it as an artist. But he never makes that clear. It's it's never like they say, yeah, you have to change your music and be like us. He's just like, you know what? I don't like you people. Fuck you. Right. Well, I, I, I guess the assumption, even though it's never stated, is that they will make them over to be a BIM-esque group. Right. And, yeah, they're not going to let them do their admittedly terrible folksy love songs. <laughs> You're the reason that I'm singing. Thank you. <laughs> That's a great lyric you penned there. So, yeah, I don't understand what, what he's trying to get accomplished when it's, it comes to his career. I get that we're supposed to see him as, like, fighting this terrible establishment. You know, these people are bad, he's good, and he's fighting against the system. But he's not fighting against the system. He's just being a jerk. Yeah, he's just being petulant and very whiny. Um, not at all articulate as to what he wants to do with his life. It's like he wants to work within the system and break it that way. Like, he wants to be admitted into success, and then that way he can change it. Like, I... Especially in this crazy Orwellian world. Like, because BIM is the also the official sponsor of the National Athletic Program. <laughs> and everyone is required to get out of their cars, stop doing surgery, stop fighting fires. Even nuns have to stop to do the BIM dance as part of the daily exercise routine. Yeah, so everyone just does giant choreographed dance numbers. That reprise goes on for fucking ever. It does, but I gotta say, I kind of like the idea of, like, everyone stopping and doing a dance number. Well, even the, the patient that the that the surgeons are working on, even he gets up to do a bit of the dance. It, <laughs> oh, and I love how the BIM is basically just, like, shoving your fists to one side, like, left, 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 right, right, right. That's the BIM. Like, you're doing it, you're doing it. Um, yeah. I also like how the nuns have futuristic uh, habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, their their hats are... They look like origami swans. Uh, I, I don't know. I just like that, for whatever reason, nuns have taken to the idea of the future world. <laughs> we can't look like nuns from the past. We have to look hip and cool. Because <laughs> nuns have changed their fashion so much over the years. Exactly. So, yeah, Alfie, uh, he gets the shit beat out of him, and that's when he sings Cry For Me. And uh, <laughs> what I love about this song is, at one point we cut to Bibi, and she is also singing Cry For Me. And she's saying... Uh, She's saying, like, Alfie, wish I were dead. I'd rather die than know that I hurt you. You bitch. What do you mean you'd rather die than hurt him? <laughs> you fucking abandoned his ass. Which I don't, but I don't blame her for at all. I never buy them as a couple to begin with. Right. They come off more like brother and sister. It's very, very Donnie and Marie. It, yes, it, like eerily. If they're sexual, it's like probably very creepy and polite. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm making love to you now. <laughs> Um, but it pisses me off that she's so guilt-ridden, it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, Alfie's hurt. Yeah, no fucking, yeah, go fucking figure, you stupid bitch. So at some point, Alfie goes to see her, I guess at the BIM nightclub house place? Oh, yes. Yeah, because <laughs> the landlord says, 
the landlord's like the Jewish stereotype, and she goes, oh, Alfie, what are you doing? Matzo, matzo, matzo ball, kvetch, kvetch, kvetch. Go tell her that she'll love her. And somehow he figures out, yeah, that there's a party happening at the Bim Mansion. Um, and which is, this is the fucking weirdest, trippiest trip ever. Right. Um, because somehow he drinks something. Well, up until this point, he doesn't drink alcohol. Oh, I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> well, fuck you. But then they hand him uh, this bizarre green liquid that he immediately downs. Yeah. Uh, in a depressive moment of weakness. Um uh, keep in mind, the drink is handed to him by a man who used to be a journalist until he asked too many questions about the Boogaloo Song Competition. And now he's been transformed. Uh, anyway, so yeah, he goes to the uh, uh, the Bim Mansion. This is where we get all the cross-dressers. Yeah. Because <laughs> this party is super gay. Uh, and uh, at a certain point, Pandy finds him. And she starts singing a song called... Wait, wait, wait. I just want to point out, a lot of times in film, uh, we appreciate subtlety and clever illusion and metaphor. Uh, and I think this is one of those moments. This song especially. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, Alfie is hallucinating, hallucinating not because of some otherworldly influence, but just because of the crazy alcohol he drank. Crossdressers are staring at him in a way that offends me. Like, they're looking at him like he really is like, that's a slab of meat and my cross-dressing ass is going to fuck it. It's, oh, it's so offensive. Like, they come off as just so animalistic and praying. Oh, I hate Mm. it. So, it's a very sexual atmosphere. Um, Andy is determined to bounce on that Alfie's dick. Um, so she decides to sing a song called, appropriately enough, I'm Coming. And it goes a little something like, I'm coming, coming for you. Make it There's a dance sequence of people in beds, and it's such a ripoff. If you've ever seen, there's a DVD of the original Pippin production, and, oh. and there's already a lot of ripping. There's a lot of ripping off of Bob Fosse to begin with. In the Life Is Nothing But Show Business number, there's some very, you know, G-rated diet Bob Fosse choreography going on at one point. But uh, uh, do you know what I'm talking about though? In this sequence, the the bed yeah. sequence is very much like the sex sequence in Pippin. Can, can I just is it is it beyond saying that the sex song is not at all sexy? Oh, agreed. The way she undresses, her outfit's crazy. Um, she's wearing like a hot bubblegum pink leotard with a belt. Is he fucking her? Yes. Are you sure? Because at I, no point surely. do I at no point did I understand that they were pantsless. Because that bitch was wearing a leotard, and she was still wearing it while riding him. I'm pretty sure they're having some sex. What is there, a hole in the leotard right where her vagina is? Is it a dress or the, or is it like a workout leotard? It's somewhere in the middle. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a dress, but it's more like a leotard. I, yeah, I, I, with all the effects and things, she seems to be undressed at this point. But we keep cutting in and out of crazy Pippin things. So Yeah, a lot of people doing vague sex choreography that's it's very ballet-like and not sexual at all. Uh, there's definitely an orgasm going yeah. on at some point. Yeah, th- by the end of it, she yeah does have a very vocal orgasm, I guess. But she could have just dry-humped him for an hour and a half and then somehow came from that. I don't know. True. So uh, at that point, 
I think I think uh, Alfie runs away from her and finally finds BB in the bedroom with Dandy. And in that room, everything's green for some reason. And uh, BB says, "Who are you? Go away." <laughs> and so Alfie has to leave in shame. My question is, was that really happening? Yes. So she did have sex with Dandy. Yes. After the song about how she felt bad for Alfie. Yes. That fucking bitch. And she even says, who are you? What? Well, we only know that because later she's like, I had the weirdest dream last night. Oh, that wasn't a dream. What? Go to him. Oh my God, that's right. See, okay, so this is the point where Pandy completely switches gears. All right, let me point out something else. We, okay, there are 18 minutes in the movie left. Yes. (laughs) It's only 86 minutes long. Again, it feels like forever, but um, this uh, the fact that there's only 18 minutes, and now we're introduced to the the leader of the hippies, because our boy Alfie wakes up on a bench. He does, that's true, after having run from the Bim Mansion. Mm-hmm. And there's a crazy group of hippies occupying a park. Um, and they take him into a cave system. Caves! <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, who are you? Oh, we're what's left of the hippies. What? What? The hippies have been around since the late 60s, just hanging out? Yeah, and they're not geriatric at this point? Okay, fair enough. There's a lot, there's there's plenty of, of elderly hippies. Yeah, that's but, uh, true. And I just love the idea that there was, like, this idea that there could be, like, this group of, of hippies that have just, like, consistently lived, you know, hippie lifestyles in the park. It's like if Occupy Wall Street was still going on in 2037. <laughs> yes, exactly. They would they would adopt the fashions of their you know their predecessors. It's awesome, but there is an awesome point where the police come out and like and there's one guy that's out at the park and like, hey, what the fuck are you doing out here? This is a public park. You can't be here at seven a.m. <laughs> exactly, I, exactly like the Occupy Wall Street movement. Hey, this public park is closed. <laughs> it's very prescient. Yes, it is. It is. That was that one moment. And then meanwhile, I was gonna say, Pandy does complete one eighty, and yeah, she tells PB, he was at the mansion last night. You have to go find him. I'm not going to mention the fact that I fucked him or dry humped him, but you should go find him. Um, and Dandy's not for it, and Shake is definitely not, because he bitch slaps her. Uh, he bitch slaps Pandy, I should say. Um, but for whatever reason, Shake lets her go? BB, yeah, she leaves and she meets the homeless fellow under the bridge, who looks like Santa Claus, but dirtier. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so a bit of trivia... Uh, at this point, it's very clear that they were trying to rip off hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so he takes her into the caves, and they sing a song called Child of Love. Yeah. Which, did you ever notice that that song is so short? Yeah. There's a reason, because there was a work print of the movie where it was much longer, and that also included another song that's not in the oh, movie at all. Fuck. And that song was called, of course, Creation. Uh, so I'm sure it got even more heavy-handed at that point, and they were like, let's just get rid of this. Yeah, okay, this is this is where everything goes crazy. Because, again, I want to point out, at this point in the cave, there are eight minutes left in the movie. Yep, and there's no <laughs> discernible end point. We don't know where this is going. Like, I, I just, it blows my mind, like, the pacing of this film. Um, well, at one point during the Child of Love sequence, they cut from what's been going on to Alfie and Bibi having a baby. Yeah. And, and Alfie has a beard now. I'm like, what? You have to give some indication of time passing. None. And I actually, I didn't even realize it was Alfie at first. I was like, who's this Jim Henson looking guy? Exactly. Yes. He he does have a very like 70s Jim Henson beard. So Mr. Boogaloo and Shake um, roll up with the cops. So many cops. Ton. (laughs) The ensemble in this movie is fucking ridiculous. I thought they were in Oakland. I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) And, and they're like, um, hey, if you get BB, 
And this guy's like, hey, no, that's my wife. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's Alfie then. Yep. She's the mother of my child. What? And also, it's been how long? Long enough to have a child, at least. And it's this kid over. Looks... Yeah, they said over a year. Oh my god. They what? They've been trying to find them ever since she left? Apparently. Apparently, they're terrible tracksmen. <laughs> because she, she owes them $10 million. Oh my god. At that point, like, the script really is. It's falling off the bone. Like, it all makes no sense. Well, and that's when the final twist is revealed. <laughs> because, as we all know, we can't have the devil without, you know, the yin to the yang. So, of course, there's God. And God comes in the form of a, of a translucent, see-through hologram limousine that's just floating in the air as a bad special effect. And out of that comes a character named Mr. Tops. Right, Mr. which is played Tops. by the same played by the same guy who played uh, the king of the hippies. Yeah, the dirty homeless king of the hippie Santas. Right. Um, he's in a beautiful white tuxedo, and he doesn't have a beard anymore. He has a smooth face, and uh, <laughs> uh, no one can touch him. Like the bad guys try to shut him down, but he stops them in their tracks. And uh, he essentially invites everyone to go up into his magic limousine. And he's going to start a new world. And there's an inference that he's going to start again, inferring that Noah happened. Like, Boogaloo's like, really? You're going to try and do this again? And he's like, yes. But this time, without you. <laughs> so everyone walks up into the heavens, and that's the end! That's the end! Immediately. Uh, the credits <laughs> the roll is a reprise of Taste the apple! Fuck the apple! Take a little bite! Put it in your butt! Like, it's... It's over it's at that point. just fucking insane. Oh, the apple. Um, oh, and Panny chooses to go to heaven, by the way. Yeah. I don't see any reason that BB should feel bad about what she did. <laughs> <laughs> like, she went for her dreams. She wanted to be a famous singer. She became a famous singer. She didn't yeah. want to tag along. She wasn't that invested in Alfie's shitty songs. <laughs> right. And clearly, she was making out with, um, with, oh, Dandy. fuck, what's his name? With, yeah, with, with Dandy, like, at the party, like, that night. Yeah, that night. So, so, I, she, did, that relationship wasn't very solid to begin with. But, so, I don't see that there's a problem anywhere. It, insane. Absolutely insane. Guys, it's on streaming. Watch parts of it. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be expiring anytime soon. I feel like that's one of those movies that'll probably be on there for a long time. Yeah, I think so. It's not a hot new release. <laughs> Ooh, but it oh, is okay. fucking insane. And there, But there are some catchy tunes. Uh, oh, and uh, Joss Ackland, the guy that played the King of the Hippies slash God, um, was also the villain in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Well, there you go. Now, to be fair, he didn't play God. He played Mr. Tops. Sorry, Mr. Tops. The words God, devil, heaven, hell, those are never uttered. That would have been too preachy. So true. It's like written by a gay man who's in the closet but wants to be like a Sunday school teacher. I'll write a musical that'll teach the kids about how it's bad to be bad. <laughs> I'm not gay. <laughs> Why is it fun with crossdressers? Because crossdressers are bad. <laughs> I'll get all my yeah. friends to play those parts. <laughs> oh, boy. The apple. Yeah. The apple. It's a, it's a thing. thing. Nice. Yep. <laughs> no one could deny that it is a thing. Well, guys, uh, as always, it's that special time where we visit our pal, Mr. Belvedere. Streets on the China never mattered before. Who cares? Unfortunately, Alex is not here, so we won't get to hear his sterling Belvedere impression that goes a little something like... <laughs> 
I, I, I wrote something on the, on the Facebook group, a quote of Alex's doing Belvedere, where it was literally, Oh, pregnant and having a baby. <laughs> I made cookies. It is pretty solid. Yeah, I, love, I just love Alex's Belvedere's disdain. Yeah. Oh, babies. <laughs> Gross. His Belvedere is a little bit more hateful, I think. <laughs> but Belvedere, to be fair, he, he's got this weird simmering rage. <laughs> he does. It's always just below the surface, or not. <laughs> yes. But in Alex's stead, you will be summarizing this episode of Mr. Belvedere. All right. And what is the name of this episode? This is The Strike. The Strike. Well, apropos. <laughs> so do you feel Do you feel ready? Do you need to take a moment? Uh, it's been a while since I've done something like this, but uh, I actually did a practice round because I'm such a dork. Actually, I didn't time myself, and I was like, how, how am I going to describe this out loud? It, there's a lot. i got to say, a lot happens in this episode. A lot, okay. Three, two, one, go. Wesley is trying to find loopholes in the system that is the household, and it's really blustering Mr. Belvedere. At some point, Wesley will become diabetic, I'm sure. But Wesley's not the focus of the strike. Uh, it's George and the fact that his newspaper union is going on strike with the typists. Now, uh, this is putting a real damper on their household budget. Mr. Belvedere agrees to be a boarder rather than an employee, so he forgoes his salary. But that means Belvedere doesn't have to do any work, so because George is out of work, he does all the household chore, uh, chores, I should say. Uh, meanwhile, Kevin just got a new car before the strike. Unfortunately, he can't drive it until he buys insurance. Kevin is such an idiot that every insurance company he buys, he talks about how he is an idiot, and so he can't get it. Uh, and Heather wants to go on a $1,300 European trip around the world. Uh, at a certain point, Wesley and Heather decide that they're going to be proactive and sell things in a garage sale. Uh, they accidentally, on purpose, sell a Fabergé egg of Mr. Belvedere's. Luckily, that is brought back by the strange woman who feels guilty for buying it for three goddamn dollars. Kevin decides to give back the car so that they can have that money, and eventually the strike is broken, so all is set to right. Mr. Belvedere is back in his normal uh, situation, and the creepy woman is peering through his window. The end. <laughs> One minute, 17 seconds. What? I thought I was doing so well! Hey, you were, you, you covered absolutely everything, which oh I give you God. props for. Wow, it, I haven't done I haven't done that in so long. That's that's a terrible time. Yeah, well, you know, it's a lot happened. A lot happened. You were out of shape. I should have just cut the whole Wesley bullshit about. <laughs> oh my god! Like there's this there's this ridiculous f plot where Belvedere <laughs> is probably going to poison Wesley's food because he tells Wesley, "Have a fruit, Wesley. Have a piece of fruit for snack." And so Wesley, of course, gets around that by making it a candied apple. But you need a popsicle stick for a candied apple, so he eats an ice cream bar. <laughs> Wesley, you're going to be riddled with diabetes by the time you're 17. Yeah. But that is very much the F-plot. It goes nowhere. Indeed. But later in the episode, Wesley's, uh, he, he picks up his lunch for school, and he's like, So, Mr. Belvedere, what's in here? Oh, nothing special. A bologna sandwich, carrot sticks, a chocolate cupcake. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Mr. Belvedere. I thought you were going to try to get back at me for that whole candy apple thing. Oh, Wesley, don't forget your thermos. <laughs> what is in that thermos? What is in that thermos? It's probably his own piss. <laughs> Definitely. It's probably warm. Hey, you have lemonade? Nope. <laughs> I had to learn that out the hard way. I thought it was hot soup. <laughs> it's my butler's urine again. <laughs> he would. Uh, oh, it's hot soup. Ugh. Mr. Belvedere, I just wanted a candied apple. But there's another joke where Wesley is soaking pancakes in maple syrup. Wesley. That's true. Yeah, come on now. You're going to be diabetic. Stop that. The other thing about the pancake scene is 
that brings out, I think, one of the weirdest performances from Heather we've ever seen. A lot of mugging from Heather in that moment where I, This was not... Yeah, this was not a great episode for Heather, and I don't know why, but she was very much off her game. Yeah, she had a lot to do, yet wasn't doing a lot with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, she was either delivering it too flatly or too uh, muggy. Also, there was no incest in this episode at all. No, and that's what really disappointed me. I thought to myself, this is fucking bullshit. I come in to do this, you know, favor, and I don't even get an episode where, and, you know, the episodes aren't being put up on the Red Check uh, page anymore, so I, I can't I can't watch these creepy moments where... Kevin puts a hand on Heather's shoulder for too long, <laughs> and she drunkenly fucks him. <laughs> Kevin, do you remember anything from last night when you put things inside me? What? <laughs> what are you talking about, Heather? Kevin's plot's pretty dumb. Uh, George buys him a car just... He, George knows that there's a threat of a strike at his newspaper, yet right. he decides to buy a car for Kevin anyway. That's bad finances. Mm-hmm. And the mom knows it, too. Like, she's a little put off by the, you know, sudden purchase, you know, based on right. impulse. Uh, but I would have to say to her, honey, you bought the glasses that you're wearing in this episode, so you don't have to fucking say shit to shit. Those reading glasses she has are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what's also terrifying is just the fact that the strike was caused because the typesetters went on strike. Mm-hmm. So, of course, George's union follows. The typesetters? We used to have typesetters. Yeah, yeah, definitely a different uh, age of journalism. But what pisses me off about that, you know, in another parallel to Occupy Wall Street, it's, you know, it's a strike protest scenario. Um, Mm. I love how George protests for three weeks and then after that he's like, fuck it. Like, Like, no, George, that's the point. You're supposed to go down there every day. Nah, fucking, I'm bored. Belvedere, I'm bored. I'm just gonna stay at home all day. Yeah, and then we get a lot of weird... We do get a lot of weird uh, George Belvedere yeah. scenes. I wrote, down, they, I, I wrote down that George seems really bored and restless and probably just wants to fuck. Definitely. There's, he just show, he keeps showing up in like Belvedere's room. The door it's like, hey, Belvedere. Hey. hey. What are you doing? Reading. What are you doing? Looking. Hey, who's this old broad in this picture? That's the Queen of England, you fool. What's this piece of shit egg? It's a Fabergé egg. Whatever. It's worth $750,000. Fucking hell. As we later learn towards the end of the episode. I'm surprised that I didn't think to myself, oh, that egg's going to come into play. But of course it does. Yeah. Because it's a sitcom. They don't say anything without it meaning something. Um, But yeah, at that point, you know, he's been out of work for a month, which isn't super bad. It wouldn't be that bad if if not for the fact that Wesley has been... Hiding all of the bills. Right. And the mom is such a fucking moron herself financially that she just assumed they were fine. Bitch, you didn't realize you hadn't paid any bills that month? Cable, oh, gas? I, just, I forgot. I didn't see the bill, so I guess I don't owe them anything. Are you a baby? If it's not right in front of you, do you think it doesn't exist? I, I've never had a time in my life where I've just forgotten about bills. Yeah, and how long have you been living in this house? You, you understand... The routine of getting these things done. Um, And Wesley hid the bills because he didn't want his parents to get worried. Wesley, you are old enough to understand that paying, not paying the bills is what makes people worry. (laughs) Though I think it is very telling that Wesley is, is so worried about seeing his parents stressed out. Uh, yeah, yeah, he knows that they're, he 
knows his parents have a dysfunctional sex life to begin with. They don't need money to be uh, on the shit list as well. But yeah, Belvedere, he volunteers. He, he says, I'll forgo my salary and I'll underpay as a border. But inexplicably, George decides that because Belvedere has made that decision, he doesn't have to work. Which right. I, I, it does make sense, I guess, but George is so adamant about doing everything. Like, no, Belvedere, you're not allowed to do anything to help. Well, George does have that weird, like, macho dignity, so I get, I, I buy it. But the it's, macho it's, dignity applies to what he ends up having to do, and there's a scene that pisses me off where he says to Kevin, no son of mine's ever gonna do laundry. Yeah. What? It's laundry. Fuck you. Like, I am so sorry that the laundry is below you, and that you feel like it would be even more of an embarrassment for Kevin to do it. But here's the thing. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that's super weird. Ugh. Oh, uh, yeah, Heather, she's technically got her own thing going on. She wants to go to, get this, London, Paris, Rome, and Madrid for a Christmas school trip. And it's only going to cost him $1,300. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, welcome to the 80s. <laughs> That sounds awesome. Paris, London, Rome, and Madrid for third. I've got thirteen hundred bucks right now. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Sign me the fuck up. That'd be the trip of a goddamn uh, lifetime. I could find thirteen hundred dollars to do that, and I could appreciate it because I'm not a little brat like Heather. Yeah. At one point, uh, Kevin Kevin really wants to go out. He he doesn't have the insurance yet. He even calls a place called Crazy Eddie's Insurance. I love. This is another time where you can tell it's a different time where. A kid couldn't get insurance just because, you know, they were willing to pay for it. You got a ticket? No, you're just not going to get insurance from us. Apparently. Apparently that's how it worked back then. You had to audition for their insurance. Well, it's because, you know, all, they weren't, all the all the companies weren't owned by giant national corporations. Oh, that's and true. And they had to be a bit more discerning about who they would let in. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, like it was more uh, just, uh, yeah, smaller companies that were run by smaller groups. That's really interesting. That's why he ends up going to Crazy Eddie. <laughs> right. I want to see a scene with Crazy Eddie. <laughs> Which is why insurance costs so much more now. Yep. Oh, the 80s. Back when you could any- go to international locations for $1,300. Oh. And get Should insurance from a nice, friendly fellow. <laughs> Crazy Eddie. <laughs> and Belvedere says he used to be a co-worker at the age of 14 in Yorkshire. Or Yorkshire. And mm-hmm. uh, when George goes, oh, when did that strike in? It's still going. Because <laughs> 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 they wanted uh, living uh, working conditions. Like, they wanted better livable working conditions. Right. Oh, Belvedere. At one point, but I, I love the, the, but I love when he's like, "Oh, I guess that wasn't the best story to tell you." Now, was it? It's like, <laughs> damn, Belvedere. Oh, sorry. We we learned that George is a terrible cook, but I think that was already a joke, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, because he asks them, "How do you want your eggs?" And it's so clear that he's already made them a certain way. Right. Like, uh, and Belvedere goes Florentine. And then they just, they just end up getting a skillet full of gross-ass soup eggs. Just vaguely yeah. scrambled. Uh, also, you see where you can see where Heather learned to make eggs. Exactly. <laughs> From her non-cooking father. Um, and I just imagine the mom gets a lot of takeout. Because <laughs> yeah, she's definitely. so busy going to her classes that she might have to quit for a semester to get a job. Oh, no! At one of the law firms, our McDonald's. Uh, honey, you're not going to get a job at a law firm. Just stop it. <laughs> Just Definitely go to the McDonald's not. in the first place. I'm sure Jason Alexander is there selling the <laughs> the hot side's hot and the cool side's cool. It's cool. Yeah, now, just memorize that catchphrase and sing it out loud out front of the McDonald's. 
So if I'm uh, Mr. Bellover's like, look, just being not a selfish brat and not talking about this European trip all the time isn't quite good enough. You kids should actually be doing something to help your parents for once in your fucking lives. We'll have a garage sale. And this family is like, oh yes. But they don't ask the parents permission to sell everything that they sell. Yeah, that's another shifty thing. So yeah, they, they get all this stuff together and Belvedere says, hey Wesley, there's a books in my bedroom. I'm going to the cinema. I'm either going to see Wild Strawberries or Commando, <laughs> which is a pretty good joke. I yes. can't decide. But Wesley, there's a box. Everything in the box you can sell. Yes? You understand? Because I know you're an idiot. I should probably have Heather get the box. But Wesley, you understand, don't you? Yeah, I sure do, Mr. Revelier. All right, then. I'm off. I'm going to buy some jujubes and sit in the back row so no one bothers me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm really trying to put my stamp on this Belvedere impression. I just want people to understand how how uh, how Jonathan rolls in that department. <laughs> nice, but but Wesley, he's so stupid. He sees the Fabergé egg where it was last placed during the George Belvedere scene, and he goes, "Hey, what's this doing down here?" I guess Mr. Belvedere forgot to put this in the box. Well, again, you know, Mr. Belvedere is such a tidy person. For anything to be out of place is somewhat questionable. I suppose, but he says so specifically the box on yeah. the bed. Yeah, yeah, Wesley's just being a fucking douche. And, uh, so we see the garage sale. It's huge. Yes. They have so much stuff out there, which is going to come into play later when I tell you how much they made. <laughs> and it pisses <laughs> me off. Because <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling they sold everything. I just have a feeling they sold everything that we saw in that uh, outdoor sequence. Oh, man. Um, That's true. There's a lot of stuff out there. Now, this character... Uh, <laughs> This woman shows up, and I swear, the first time we ever hear her name, I could have sworn it was Marie Stinko. <laughs> and it turns out it was something like Tangle or Tanger or something, but I could have sworn that when Wesley said it, he went, Marie Stinko? <laughs> or something. It was ridiculous. Um, so she shows up, and Wesley sells her the fucking egg, and he goes, uh, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give it to you for $10. Uh, no, five, three, and I'll throw in the bowling trophy. And this woman is so avarice, like her her greed and her avarice when it comes to this egg is like palpable. Yeah. She worships this egg. Definitely. <laughs> because she never had a child. <laughs> so she worships other types of eggs. Oh, yes. Oh, at one point, uh, Heather says, uh, we finally sold the waffle iron. I just sold it to that woman. And Wesley goes, I hope she's from out of town. So the waffle iron will probably electrocute it in someone or burst into yeah. flames. So that woman's dead. <laughs> Oh, and not only that, um, they've marketed the garage sale by putting uh, pictures of Wesley, like, with crutches, saying, help the Owens family afford medicine and food. Food, yeah, food and medicine, basically. Uh, which the parents see the signs, and they're like, uh, they don't even bring up that they didn't ask permission to have a garage sale. They're just mm. disturbed by the signage, right. which I would be, too. Um, yeah. Oh, and also, George says, nice picture, Wesley. Where'd you get the crutches? So, wait a minute, they had a photo shoot? Apparently. Like, Wesley, look more pained. Yeah, that's it. Now let's go to the store and get these developed because they're not digital. Last time when they did the vows, Wesley had a giant photo of himself made. Where's this local Kinko's that these kids are rolling to all the time? And are they taking the photos or there's like an on-call photographer like, what do you need this time, Wesley? This time I'm going to be hurt. I need crutches. <laughs> I've got crutches in the prop room. Come on. Um, <laughs> so at a post-garage sale, we find out that they made... Fifty-seven dollars. Yeah. That is not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not at all. And you know they cleared out that attic, which was packed with shit. They were selling the bowling But it's a different time. It's a different time. Fifty-seven dollars would get you probably halfway to Europe. 
Yeah, at least to <laughs> Spain and back, I'm sure. Um, but uh, come on, I, I have a feeling they sold so much stuff, and even at 80s yeah. prices. Yeah. I, I just, my goodness, it's not worth it. I, I would have been like, really? Oh, thanks, kids. Ugh. They probably took a cut, though. They probably did, knowing those fucking kids. Yeah. Well, Heather was probably like, oh, this will help me go to that next Prince concert when he comes back into town. Back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Belvedere, of course, Storm stands out. He's like, what's, where's my egg? Oh, my egg's missing. <laughs> oh, that egg, I sold it. <laughs> what? <laughs> you piss-ass little peanut. You Pol Pot piece of shit. It was worth it was worth seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It was worth thirty two hundred Wesleys. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. Oh, and he got it by saving a sheik's life, as we reveal. Yeah. <laughs> oh you know, you save a sheik's life. There's only three of them in the world. He gave them to me, it was probably soaked in you know, Indian blood at the time. Um and, like, this is the sequence where everything comes to a head. There's such a deus ex machina because mm-hmm. Marie Stinko shows up and she just gives the egg back. She's like, I felt bad. <laughs> so here, have the egg back because without it, this episode's not going to end on a happy note. Uh, I also love that they didn't give her $3 back either. <laughs> she oh, yeah. She paid $3 just to have the egg. Yeah, I would have been like, well, can I have my $3 <laughs> back? No, because then we'll only have made $54. <laughs> that just sucks. <laughs> Um, well, and, and George is furious with Kevin because he thought that he took the car out without first having bought insurance, but it turns out Kevin was taking the car to sell it back. I think he just gets the check back mm-hmm. that they originally wrote for it. Um, Even though it's a month later. Yeah, wait a surely, minute. Surely, surely they just wrote him a new check. I have to assume. And do you think he got the full amount? I have to wonder. Well, he's but he hasn't driven it, so it doesn't have any miles on it. And he did tell them, yeah, my dad, you know... He's out of work. Maybe they actually did feel sorry for him. My little brother's sick. He needs medicine. Uh, he's yeah. on his crutches. So he showed them the picture of Wesley. Look at my little brother. He's a, he's a brat. Come on, give me the money. Um, it was a different time. People cared. And of course, there's the magic of the telephone device in the sycamore. It's like, ring, 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 ring. What? Oh, I'll tell him. Hey, George, you got your job back. Great. Uh, so we go to Belvedere. He's writing in his journal. And he's like, ah, well, everything worked out as usual. Yeah, and he sums up the entire episode. He's like, George got his job back. Wesley's not diabetic. <laughs> Heather's not going on a trip. The mother is still not a lawyer. <laughs> like, the mother's still pretending to go to classes as yes. she's with her other family. <laughs> and this creepy bitch still keeps coming over to see my egg. And about that time... Pan over. Pan over, crazy woman, is rolling up Clarissa Explains It All style. <laughs> peering oh. in the window. Oh, hello, Miss Stenko. The egg is still here. It's fine. I need to hide that ladder. <laughs> ladder? Really? And then she shuffles off. I shouldn't be encouraging her obsessive behavior. <laughs> she, <laughs> she fucked me one time just so she could look at the egg. <laughs> Belvedere has got to get his gash. Belvedere, ah. you fox. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, Belvedere. Oh, I'm so disappointed that there was no creepy incestual stuff going on. Oh, well. It's a first. <laughs> Well, to be fair, it really didn't start until this this season. That's true. That's those, true. Those first six, it was uh, all fun and games, but now it's super dark. <laughs> Kevin, is that your silhouette in the doorframe? Well, come on in, I guess. Are you drunk again? <laughs> Do you want to be? <laughs> I have little airport bottles of liquor out of my bed. We can make this happen. 
Our parents can't tell us what to do. Heather, please. No. <laughs> yes, do it. Oh. Does every 80s sitcom have to have some fucked up Charles and... Oh, what was the little boy's name in Charles in Charge? Jason. Jason. Yeah, every show you cover, you have to find something dark within it. <laughs> we don't find it. It's there, screaming at us. Like the uh, alternate timelines, realities theory, in a little show called Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Brad, it's your turn to summarize an episode of a television show. Uh, what? Well, I'm sorry, what's the name of this episode? This is The Bayside Triangle. Of course it is. Okay, uh, are you ready to go, Brad? Are you ready to summarize this episode? There's not a lot going on in it, so... Yes, I think I'm ready. Alright, on the count of three, one, two, three, go. Alright, this is the Bayside Triangle. We've got some crazy things going on. Lisa Turtle, who's known for her fashion sense, is going to get a fashion show. And someone's coming from, from Fashion Suits of Technology to come and see her. And this is going to be a chance to, for a future and a scholarship. But at the same time, she's going to get her friends to help her with the fashion show. How's it going to happen? No worries. Kelly and Jesse, they're, they're on the sewing machines. They're going to get everything together. They're going to be models. It's going to be great. Oh, by the way, all of a sudden, they're back and Tori's gone. I don't know what happened. The universe has fixed itself. But in this new universe, there's a weird thing going on where for some reason, Lisa and Zach are getting together. But Screech is in love with Lisa Turtle. He always has been. No one knows why. But he is, and he has his heart broken. So at the fashion show, he destroys her future, ruins the fashion show, calls her a bitch, pretty much goes out of his way to destroy her, their life. Then he wants to fight Zack. In the end, they work it out. Zack and Screech are friends, and he's gonna fuck off, but he's crazy. Everyone needs to stay away from Screech. That's saved by the bell. One minute, four seconds. Ah, well... Um, much better than my 90-minute summary of Belvedere. Ah. My college thesis summary. There's so much wackiness in Saved by the Bell. They always seem to run long. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, what can you do? I, I, I love that. Yeah, you're right. Because I thought to myself, didn't they just talk about the Tori episode in the last episode of Ramjack? Mm-hmm. And now she's nowhere to be seen? That's because there's, they're trying to realign the parallel universes. Yeah, and I love that the constant factor in all the universes is Screech undying, murderous rage love for Turtle. Oh, fuck. This is... I mean, we haven't seen much Screech this season. <laughs> He's been very much in the background. This is the first... Uh, well, we had, we did have his spaghetti sauce. Yeah, that was pretty... Uh, that, that was all predicated on him, yes. Right, right. So, uh, really, uh, unless... Besides that, we haven't seen much Screech. But this is the first time we've really delved back into his and uh, Lisa Turtle's relationship. But if you'll remember, in the original pre-Tory timeline... <laughs> Back before they were all transported to the 1970s and had become municipal workers. <laughs> before every, before someone started fucking with a space-time con- continuum. Before Zack turned the pirate wheel in the ice cave. <laughs> uh, Screech had a girlfriend that was not Lisa Turtle. Oh my god, is this in an episode that's been covered on the show? No, this was, this was in the season before, but Tori Spelling, for like five episodes, was his nerd girlfriend. Oh my god. See, I'm just gonna flat out say it. Uh, be, <laughs> just as a television show, like like criticizing it as a television show in our world, ignoring the fact that within the story world, everything's going hullabaloo crazy. Th- this show, I'm either thinking that on the DVDs, they're placed out of order, or like, how could that possibly be the production or airing order of the episodes? Because it's really like they didn't, they really didn't give a shit. 
Like, no, fuck it. That's not ha- what she's on vacation. Tori's not going to be in this episode. What's going on over here? Oh, these two people can't be in it. Fine, They'll, they won't be in the show at all. It, it, it's it's such a conundrum. It, it's it's terrible writing. Well, this this is just how it happened, Jonathan. This is how it's chronicled. These are documentaries. <laughs> this is like the Seven Up series. We've been following these children as they try to battle with their reality. It doesn't make sense because we can't see on a fourth dimensional level. Well, and this is far enough into the show where the opening credits has that little montage of, uh-huh. of the of the actors. Like, here he was at the beginning of the series. Here's him in the middle. And now look at him now. He's super foxy and attractive now. Yeah. Hey, everyone, remember when Screech was eight years old? <laughs> I do eight now. Years old in high school. And now Dustin Diamond's really tall and looks a little bit too old to be doing what he's doing. And he'll look even worse during the, the new class. Yeah. Or oh, in the Tory episodes where everyone's 30 years older. Uh, this, this episode really exhausted me after a while. Like, it, it really did kind of break my ability to stick with something for, not, for even 20 minutes. Because it really disturbs me on some level that the joke is that Screech has been obsessed with Lisa Turtle since they were children. Yeah. Like, for 10 years. Like, I assume they're, what, 18 now? So they were 8 when they fucking met each other. It's really fucked up, because at one point he says something like, Oh, that's right, Lisa, because I have 16 of your of your removed fake fingernails. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, no, this is, this is writing that's just self-aware enough to understand that Screech has, like, a, a love for her that goes beyond normalcy. And it's not nerdy, and it's not cute cornball. It's just really disturbing and fucked up. But at the same time... Do we not, in our actual lives, know people that have been this crazy? Oh, sure, but it's the fact that everyone in the group kind of tolerates it, but, like, Lisa seems to be emotionally distressed by it. Mm. And everyone else is just kind of like, Oh, Screech, oh, you, you're... Zach keeps saying, Screech, you're my best friend. Yeah. Which is bullshit. (laughs) First of all, no one is Zach Morris's best friend. I like to think that he keeps everyone at arm's length. Like, ah, da, 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 da. no, 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 no. No one gets inside the Zach Morris sphere. <laughs> he's too cool for that. He can stop time on a whim. Do you think he's really going to talk to mortals? No, 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 no. <laughs> Too true. Too true. So this conceit that Screech is somehow his best friend makes no sense. No one seems to like him. <laughs> well, yeah, very true. And But I, the weird thing to me is when he gives Lisa the necklace that was he inherited from his aunt... It's it is lo- actual gold. Yeah, and it's a locket, and mm-hmm. she opens it up, and what's inside, Brad? It's a picture of him. Oh, uh, and then later she's wearing it. It The fact that she shouldn't have taken it, that's creepy. Yeah, she shouldn't have taken it, and you're Don't wearing encourage it, him. so you're encouraging it. It's a vicious cycle that everyone needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, This it's it's weird. It's fucking weird. But most, most of this has to do with the fact that, you know, the, the big gimmick of the episode is Lisa's trying to get into a fashion institute in New York so they you know Zach has the idea of why why don't you put up a fashion show because this representative from the school is going to be here and she goes oh that's that's an amazing idea but how are we going to do it again how does Zach Morris he's the only person with ideas exactly and everyone else just immediately falls in line like yeah that's an awesome idea and I love how there's this <laughs> there's this uh, false notion that AC Slater and Zach are looking for a venue and then it just happens to turn out to be the max 
<laughs> oh, really? Did you really look at other places, or was the Max the first place you went to? <laughs> or did we only look at that place that we only have the other set for? Exactly. Where did you go? Where, where did you go? Like a like a, a, a fucking Holiday Inn, like where they have conferences? Like, no, you didn't fucking go. We considered this. a lot of places. We considered the hallway. We considered that one classroom. We considered Mr. Belding's office. But then we st- went with the Max. We went with... We, because the exact bedroom, bedroom wasn't bedroom available. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um... No, we'll just put up shitty gold shimmery curtains in the Max and install some sort of rant. Like, I kept thinking, I was watching that Max set during the fashion show scene, and I thought, was that runway there the entire time? Is that just the regular setup of the Max, or did they actually <laughs> put that there? Because that's crazy. Yeah, they built, uh, they, well, they did, one of their one of their goals was to uh, build the ramp. Oh, yeah, because they say, hey, girls, you'll be handling the sewing. Why do we have to handle the sewing? Because we'll be doing everything else, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then Mario Lopez goes, Lopez goes, I don't know if I like the sound of that last, et cetera. It's interviewing the models. Oh, et cetera. Of and course Mario, they don't use any models. They don't. It's just them. And there are only four outfits, all of which yeah. are ungodly, unspeakably tacky. <laughs> None worse than Zach's outfit. It's, I, you, he wears some awful things. The scene where he's at Lisa's house and he puts on this like crazy suit. That's terrible. That's like slightly darker shades alternating with slightly lighter shades of like brick red. Mm -hmm. And it's like a suit jacket with huge thick vertical stripes. It's so terrible. And it's baggy on him. I, oh God, he looks fucking awful. But when he puts on the jacket, no, he first walks in before putting on the jacket, and the audience has this reaction of, ooh, look at that outfit. Like, they're so trained. <laughs> like, no, uh-uh, it's not that awesome of an outfit. We saw him wearing something nearly identical to that in the last scene. Yeah, why, oh, so he's wearing Arsenio Hall clothes? What? What's happening? It, it, oh my god, yes, that's exactly hitting the nail on the head. Yes, it's yeah. very Arsenio Hall. Um, and we see the actress who plays Lisa Turtle vaguely hovering a pencil above what are clearly very sophisticated mo- mock-ups <laughs> of outfits. Yes. And I'm like, really? She has that much of an artistic sensibility? I don't fucking buy it for a goddamn second. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of the girls doing all the sewing, uh, apparently, uh, uh, who does Berkeley play? I'm sorry, Jesse? Yeah. Jesse's an idiot, and she doesn't need to be near a sewing machine. Hey, hey nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect just because she's not a great seamstress. Hey, uh, Kelly's Kelly's not fucking one to speak of either because she should have realized that that Frankenstein dress was not going to fit, and yet she shoved herself into it anyway. Um, but question question is it that the dress doesn't fit or does kelly just not know how to put her arm in through a hole no because it's so no it's so clearly that well maybe you're right <laughs> it really it's really it looks like a dress it looks like they just got a regular dress and then maybe they sewed it a little tight and but she's not putting her arm in the armhole but but uh, isn't the bottom half of the dress like doesn't it come to such a crazy funnel tube that's yeah. so narrow that she can't even walk but that's a problem of the design, I think, not the, of not not the sewing. That's the design of the dress. I suppose so. Yeah. I, but well, they accuse her. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse is not pattern. at fault. Damn it! At some point, Zach's coming over to try things on, and him and Lisa kiss in a very chaste sort of way. And it, but it, but it's also not spontaneous. No, it's not weird. At all. It's very clear they're walking into it. It's 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 a very bizarre kiss. Well, and then later, uh, it's brought up while they're making the clothes, and Kelly doesn't seem to mind. Because apparently, in the in fixing in the fixing of the universe, something has happened that has obliterated the weird loosey goosey relationship Zach and Kelly have. Yeah, because the original triangle of the show, correct me if I'm wrong, was supposed to be Slater, Zach, and Kelly. 
Well, that was it for a taste, but for then um, Slater and Jesse were together for uh, most of the show. Yes. But this season... Are they technically in this episode? No, I th- they broke it off at some point, and I think it was okay. before this, so that's fine. But earlier this season, I think in the very first episode, Zach and Kelly were still kind of dating. Right, and he was... <laughs> well, he was seeing other people. Yeah, he was clearly... It was more open in his eyes. Right, but now it's like, Lisa's like, yeah, I kiss Zach. Oh my gosh, that's so great. What? Yeah. What is the status of this relationship? And it's supposed to be very, I don't know, Zach's, you know, being painted now as being very tender. Like, this relationship could be something very nice and very just, oh, oh, this is going to be a wonderful experience for everyone. Even though the entire time I was screaming at the episode, I was like, no, this won't go past this episode. Like, I highly doubt the next episode of the show deals with this in uh, any way. I'm pretty sure, I'm no, I'm pretty sure these guys are, I think this is the start of something real. <laughs> There's a lot of drama in this episode, and I think that's not going to be for not. I'm sure that from now on, the continuity of the show will never have any slip-ups or mistakes, that everything will have a cohesive arc. <laughs> well, unless the universe is changed again. And Boy. if something happened, because wherever this prime Tory is... Fucking with the with the basics of the universe, <laughs> we don't know what ripples that has. If someone doesn't type the phrase "saved by the bell" into a computer every 108 minutes, something goes horribly wrong. Indeed, and they're clearly forgetting to do it quite often. Oh, and that person's name is Tori. Yes. So Screech sees Zach and Lisa kiss the second time when he's trying to give her flowers. He's such a fucking maniac that he. God, it makes me so angry. Like, it makes it makes me so angry that they're making a joke out of something that is not funny. Yeah. Like, it's just not. Like, it wasn't funny in Family Matters when Screech was trying to fuck that one girl in the family. And it's not funny here. I just... And everyone... Everyone in the audience goes, Oh, You're supposed when, to feel bad for Screech. And there's well, no, no way. There's him. no way. And he's like, Zach, you betrayed me. And then he's doing the commentary for the fashion show. And he shuts it down, basically, with his insane anti-women, anti-Lisa Turtle, anti-Zach screeds. And this, I mean, this crosses so many lines. Because yep. this, all right, I hate the turtle. No no question. She's but a huge not bitch. Her fault. But in this episode, she's not being a bitch. And you don't, you don't fuck over someone's entire life, their entire future, because you're a psychopath. Yeah, and here's the thing. I wouldn't even in this in this relationship between her and Screech, I don't think her making cracks at his expense when he tries to show her affection, I don't think that's an inappropriate response mm-hmm. because she's been dealing with this since she was 8 goddamn years old. Right. And I would think that I'd be a fucking bitch if I was forced to hang out with the dude that never left me alone. I would look him in the eye and go, "No, dude." Fuck you. I don't like you. Get the fuck out of my face. Call me a bitch if you want. I don't fucking care. Well, she's a she's a bitch to everybody, not just to Screech. There's plenty of reasons to hate Lisa Turtle. Let's let's not look, let's not overlook those. But in the Screech relationship, it's perfectly understandable oh, yeah. that she treats him like shit because why not? He's an idiot. Right. Um so yeah, he he storms out of the max, you know, Basically, let's just admit it. The fashion show was over anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because Zach Scorched was the last Earth. model. Scorched Earth policy. Oh, God. Uh, Mr. Belvedere tries to awkwardly take over. <laughs> our, our Mr. Belding. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I made the same No thing. worries. I've got fashions for you, Lisa. <laughs> Wesley, go sit in the corner and have a hot dog. I'll take over here. As you can see, Zach Morris is wearing a pair of pants made out of 16 types of cow <laughs> leather. Okay, oh, again. No. Again. <laughs> How is Lisa Turtle the fashionable one? I don't know. The- Those pants sack wearing six different colors of tan. She cannot dress herself, much less anyone else. 
No. At the beginning of the episode, she was in a kind of cool outfit. It was like a red, kind of corsety under uh, under layer, and outer it, it was like this uh, like suit jacket. Like that looked nice. It didn't look crazy nineties. But then as the as it got closer to the fashion show, the day of, she's wearing that psychotic neon purple fringe cowboy shirt. Yeah. Oh, that was a mistake. Um, no one's clothing looks good. Hmm. Slater's uh, weird jock outfit. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. The girls were wearing far too many checkers. Like, oh, so many types of checkered plaid. It was just not right. Um, so, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Can, wait, I mean, wait. Like, Can I just say that... I don't want to watch any more televised fashion shows on anything I'm watching for the next year. Because not only did we have Garbage Pail Kids where there was a fashion show. <laughs> True. Then on the on uh, one of the more recent episodes of Twin Peaks that we did on the Twin Peaks podcast, which you should all be listening to, there was a fashion show that went awry. And now we've got a Save by the Bell fashion show. I'm just tired of fashion shows. <laughs> I would, that's, I just would. A, that's a personal complaint for me. If anyone has a birthday pick coming up, no fucking fashion shows. Listen, universe, don't randomly allow, allow me to watch something else with a fashion show. I'm sick it. of it. Well, my question is, why doesn't Lisa, when, when Screech walks out... First of all, why didn't Lisa just do the commenting herself? Well, that's the thing. She doesn't realize that... they don't. She doesn't realize that Screech saw her and Zack kissing. I know, but from the beginning, don't you think she would have been the best choice for that role? I think she was They are her clothes. In, I agree. But I think she was supposed to be in the fashion show. I think her ridiculous... Uh, fringe outfit she was supposed to actually go out there really that's a bit self-indulgent yeah i think we're muddying the waters oh really oh that's oh boy what about those robes they're wearing backstage why are they wearing robes <laughs> well you don't want to show all, you don't want to spoil the big surprise of all the great fashions oh god those <laughs> robes are so thick too mm-hmm. in crazy thick yeah oh boy those robes are terrible what um, i love is the um the one from the fashion institute they keep cutting to her, like, every time something goes wrong. And she does pretty much the same eye roll and... Oh. And Belvedere keeps saying the Our same belding. line. Oh, Jesus. So Belding keeps having this awkward... Ha That boy sure has a sense of humor. You mean that horrifically anti-women nonsense rampage is going on? Yeah, great job, Belding. You're really covering his tracks yeah. well. Okay, so now uh, the timeline folds in on itself within its own episode. Do you realize this? Okay, so here's the thing. We, co- we go from the max, where the fashion show has just been, you know, totally obliterated by Screech's behavior. Uh, Zach says, I better go find Screech. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before that. Oh, what do you want to cover before? Because this is very important to me. Like, the timeline yeah. with this sequences of scenes makes no fucking sense. Well, I've, okay, I'm, I'm, I've got the episode up on the TV right now, and I'm fast-forwarding so I can check this out. Uh-huh. Um, but first, we have the woman from the Fashion Institute comes by... Um, after the fashion show has been obliterated, and is like, you know what? That was crap. But there's, but I think you've got you've got a good eye for fashion somehow. I, I know fashion expertise when I see it. So, well, she says, I'm going to recommend you for acceptance into the school. And then Lisa says something like, I'm in. No. Well, I think it was, you know, I well, I think having a recommendation letter from you know a faculty member it. is probably a, that's probably pretty much an in. Sure. But it, <laughs> something could go wrong. Right. Screech could show up at the final interview and stab someone in the throat. She could, she could, you know, get have a really bad GPA when it's all said and done. True, because Lisa's not supposed to be the most uh, book-smart person. That's why she's an artist, quote-unquote. Um, okay, so is that can we, can we now go into, like, my crazy time? Yes, yes. Speech? Okay. 
Zack leaves the aftermath of the fashion show to meet Screech during a regular school day. Right. The school day seems to be happening as it normally would during the week. Screech says, no, you go to hell, Zack. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to meet you up by the willow trees. There are no willow trees. Then I'll meet you here at this set that we always use. (laughs) So, okay, that happens. Zack returns to the max where the fashion show is being dismantled. What is going on? None of these students have to be at the school? Is the Max connected to I, the school? I feel like maybe it's one of those things where, like, you know, some schools where they have, like, free periods or, like, lunch periods, they can go and do things. I guess. Uh, we never had anything like that, but fair enough. It just I, seems to be so bizarrely linear. Yeah. A lot seems to be happening, like, because then they go back and they're still in the same outfits and they're having the fight, quote-unquote. How much, uh, I don't know, like, so sloppy. Yeah. Poor, poor, poor structure, story-wise. And Screech uh, is very bizarrely determined to kick Zack's ass and stomps on his shirt and then tears his, stomps on his foot, I should say, and then tears his shirt. And the audience, you can literally hear one girl look at Zack's body and go, ooh. Um, You say tear his shirt. I think you mean um, pulls the Velcro where his shirt's attached. Oh, is there full-on Velcro? Oh, you can completely hear Velcro being opened. Oh, okay. I thought you were like, maybe maybe you saw it and no. I did it. Like, saw the Velcro strike. No, but you, you hear him pull and, like, you just and hear... Goes, <laughs> you, you hear the Velcro sound and you see all the buttons are still on the shirt. Everything's fine. Well, he tears it in such a way that it's almost like he has claws. <laughs> like, he tore away a specific part of the shirt, not via the buttons, right. but, like, ripped into the fabric itself. Oh, it makes no sense. But we get a little bit of that peck. We get a little bit of that peck. And there's one girl in the audience who goes... Ooh. <laughs> I love I, I almost went back to listen to it again. I just love that. Ooh. Because everyone else in the audience goes, oh, that's terrible. And then you hear, ooh. Yikes. Look at that. Look at that bare, no chest hair or chest on that Gossler. Uh, but then everything fucking gets worked out because Lisa finally just steps in and gives the speech of all speeches. Well, hold, hold on. Let's, let's go into this. So oh. Zach, I mean, uh, Screech is angry because, because Zach is stepping in on his territory. Yeah, you took my woman. You're supposed to be my best friend. Hey, she was never your woman. Ever. 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 How do you not? It's like he has some sort of, I don't know, like Asperger. Like he doesn't understand human emotions. Like when she looks at you and she spits in your face, that means she's angry. Like I understand that he's upset because he has a huge crush on this girl. Fine. Fine. If If I could grant that, which I'm not really sure I can grant that, but if you accept that... I could understand maybe him being a little hurt that his best friend is seeing this girl he has a crush on, so maybe behind his back. Yeah, I maybe I I'm not really I'm not really cool with granting that, but maybe I'll accept that. And they, uh, God forbid they deal with it in any sort of realistic way, like the way you just described. Right. No, like this show was too cartoony for that. Like I yeah. don't know. But but then the fact that he toes that extra crazy level, it's like that that's that's somehow you don't get to make any kind of demands from that. That's insane. Right. That's and, why Screech is a serial killer. Well, and, and Dustin Diamond, I mean, it's, you know, the convention of the show that he's the goofball, but the level and amount of mugging on his part, it is so... Only a little kid watching this in syndication could have gotten anything out of this because mm. it is dreadful. It is painful yeah. to watch this poor guy. Like, it's basically a minstrel show. Uh, the the yeah. mugging he does is just insane. Um, but you gotta think though. This is this is the only thing he's been doing for, you know, how since long he now? was eight. Yeah, 
for years. He was 11 when the show started, I think, and everyone else was like 15. So, you know, I... He's no, he's, he's he's a terrible actor. But that's since he was a kid. This is what they've been wanting to do: these ridiculous, mm-hmm. over the top, muggy, you know, character. And yeah, the show calls for him to do right. It. And he he was beloved for that awful character. Well, and it's such a stark difference when you watch him doing like Bruce Lee fighting in this scene, and then you then you watch the scenes between Zach and Lisa, and they're actually kind of well done. Mm-hmm. The acting is, you know, they're very tender with each other because they, you you get this idea that this is something that surprised them and they're dealing with it very carefully. Mm-hmm. And then Screech shows up and does fucking Bruce Lee move, moves and it's yeah. awful. But that's, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can blame him for that. That's what they, that's what he has been trained to do. That's what everyone expects. If he did anything less... Anything right. more subtle and realistic, the director would be like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? This uh, is a Saturday morning kids show. Exactly. So Zach offers to not date Lisa in lieu of, you know, maintaining his friendship with Screech, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's when Lisa steps in and really throws down the gauntlet and says, look, it's not going to happen. Keep in mind, she's wearing the locket. Yeah. And then at one point he go at, at one point Screech says, Zach, you would have really done that? Well, sure, you're my best friend. No, lies. Okay, well, Lisa, I give you... Per- he basically says, I give you permission to date yeah. Zach. Fuck There's a you. sensibility that it's like, all right, I will allow this to happen without being a baby about it. And he goes, I'll never forget you, Lisa. She thumbs the necklace and goes, and I'll never forget you, Screech. You bitch! <laughs> you horrible bitch! <laughs> You're still stringing him along, you manipulative whore. I, I Every just- day she comes to class wearing that locket. Oh, hi, Screech, I'm still wearing that locket while I fuck the brains out of Zack. What does that make you think? Again, I hate Lisa Turtle, but in this episode, I would still be completely with her if she would just give him the damn locket back. Give him that locket? Yeah, oh my god. That real gold family heirloom locket. Oh my god. She should have refused that in the first place, not just because it was mm-hmm. creepy, but it's like, no, Screech, this is from your family. Yeah. Like, this is something that was meant to be kept as an heirloom. Like, not something to just be thrown away on someone who doesn't even like your ass. Oh. See, it's all right, because I'm saved by the bear. <laughs> Look at those surfboards flying by. Look at those sunglasses flying by. <laughs> the opening's pretty terrible. I didn't realize that it was basically Microsoft art clip art. <laughs> like, everything a cool kid would like. Sunglasses, pizza, surfboards. Oh, like, it was oh, a different time. It was a different time. And of course, it's still set in California, and that you're you're wearing so many layers, kids. They love those layers. Oh God. Uh, so, guys, um, we got some feedback. I think we're gonna go over real quick here as we close out this episode. Uh, first, uh, first uh, bit of feedback we've got from John Pernisak. Who the fuck's that? Gross. the The subject is a question regarding Jehovah's Witnesses. Should being a Jehovah's Witness prevent you from enjoying a nice piece of chilled birthday cake? I mean, I get it. They don't celebrate birthdays, or any holidays for that matter, but is simply eating the cake that's meant to celebrate someone's birth really that big a deal? Just ignore what's on the cake and just realize it's just cake. The little joys people deny themselves, all in the name of religion, I swear. (laughs) Now, we didn't respond to this. We got this. Um, I didn't know if I should read this because I wasn't sure if it was just venting or... No, 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 rest assured, if I send it to the Ramjack email... (laughs) I very much needed it, need it to be broadcast to the world. Because me and I, Alex opened it for the last episode, and we're like, um, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I think he said what he needs to say. Okay. <laughs> Seems a little bit miffed. So what's 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 the story? I'm, uh, man, there's this woman who I assist at the law firm at which I work, and she's weird to begin with. She, she doesn't shake hands. 
Uh, one time she lied flat out and said that she was recovering from a cold. I know that's bullshit because the last time someone tried to shake her hand, she literally said, oh, no, I don't shake hands. Mm-hmm. So it, that very well could be a s- sort of a germaphobic thing. I don't know. I but don't like shaking hands either, though. I'll be completely honest. Is, is it because of... of germs or just socially you're not a fan of the idea? A uh, little bit of both. Okay, so... And, you know, that's that's something I can actually understand. It's the fact that she has different explanations for it. Mm-hmm. She seems to not be as honest as she could be about it. But I don't know. It's, I think it's easier to say, oh, I'm just going to have a cold than I don't want to touch your gross hand. Exactly. Or, I don't know. It, it's an awkward situation when, you, when you've made that decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. But even more ridiculous is she, she flat out said... Uh, someone was like, oh, did you get a piece of Blank's birthday cake? It's in the kitchen. Oh, no, I don't celebrate birthdays. <laughs> well, bitch, here's the thing. Just because it says happy birthday on the cake doesn't mean it's infused with this anti-your-religion energy and that if you eat it, you'll somehow be tainted by its delicious flour and egg and sugar goodness. Shut the fuck up and eat a nice piece of cooled, refrigerated birthday cake, you dumb bitch. <laughs> I don't care if you're... Uh, she uh, She hasn't flat out said she's Jehovah's Witness, but no other religion ignores birthdays. Yeah. So, oh my god. And what? It's, by eating a piece of cake, you're not necessarily celebrating a birthday. No. Uh, why? And why people are against celebrating birthdays to begin with is fucking crazy. It's it's arbitrary and I don't know. It, it's a birthday cake. We're working in an office environment that is soaking in gray globby drudgery. Why don't you fucking give yourself the tiniest of pleasures? Just eat a fucking goddamn piece of cake. I think we can all agree that cake has no ill will toward you. Or just, or just say you don't want a piece of cake. Why do you gotta make a, a thing? No. Yeah, just say, no, I'm good. You don't even have to make up a different excuse. You don't have to be like, oh, I'm on a diet, or I, I can't eat sugary treats. Like, stop it. Though I will say, again, and I come back to almost defending this woman, anytime you try to turn down food at a workplace... Yeah, it's awkward. Oh, that's impossible, because yeah. people don't understand. Sure. Because they're so excited about having food in a workplace. Mm. That's because it's, like, it's a place steeped in drudgery. Oh, it's like, um, do you want some cake? No, I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah. Ugh. I'm, I'm rather sure if I don't want cake or not. Like when one of the lawyers brings in a giant tub of little pretzel nuggets. You know, one of those, like, econo-sized, enormous tubs of just mm-hmm. little salted pretzel chew bits? Yeah. Everyone's like, ooh, pretzel. Like, shut up. <laughs> hey, there's a vending machine. You can buy pretzels anytime you want for 75 cents. Maybe that's the problem, though. We don't have a vending machine. Oh, okay. So when snacks are brought in, I guess it is considered a goddamn treat. But can't you bring... Couldn't... Yes, I, and I go back to the pretzels. Would. Can't you bring your own fucking pretzels in? Yes. What's so exciting about a pretzel except the fact that you are getting a free pretzel and somehow that has changed your life? Because someone brought it in for you, ostensibly. Like, oh, I feel special. No, they brought it in for everyone. Stop thinking that you're somehow being risen and, like, elevated to another. Ugh, stop it. It's just a tiny little treat. Just treat it as such. Exactly. Oh, this it's, oh, it's, I it's, swear it's, to God. it's the extremes. It's the one way or the other. It's the it's the people. It's the woman saying, "No, I don't celebrate birthdays. I can't have this piece of cake." And but also the woman that's like, "Oh, cake! I'm so excited! Everyone, come get cake! Get cake! Fuck you! I don't want your cake! <laughs> get cake! Get cake! I don't want your cake, and I don't want you being a bitch about cake." Oh my God! I could go on a whole rant about the Halloween party this office threw. Hey, here's an idea: the office is not like the office, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Stop trying to make those things happen. Because no one cares. Oh, boy. 
let's let's move on. Let's let's move past this. Yeah, yeah. We've got another email here that I'm I'm very excited about. We got an email from Alfio. Oh, Alfio. <laughs> trying so hard. I love it. <laughs> trying so hard to master the English language that Andy Rooney so covets. <laughs> and we do we this you know, we're seeing an evolution with each email. There's there's a bit more capitalization, sometimes arbitrary capitalization. Sometimes too much capitalization. <laughs> sometimes um punctu- and but there's there's a punctuation. Sometimes it's questionable, but it's there. So, oh, okay, I'm going to dip into this here. Mm. we got a lot of ground to cover. A lot. Yeah. It's a long email. <laughs> yeah. I just listened to episode 77, and I agree about the Arby's thing, you guys. That when they're good, they're really good, and when they're bad, they're, they're really bad. I like his, his, you know, his use of the word there is wrong, but consistent. Right. Um, semicolon. <laughs> oh, boy. Space. <laughs> I was wondering if you guys were going to play Arkham City. Space, question mark. I have played it and it's great. It's easily a 8.5 out of 10. And have you guys played the first one, Batman Arkham Asylum? Space, question mark. It's a 8 out of 10, semicolon. semicolon. <laughs> um, I, I've, I played a little bit, actually, of Arkham Asylum about a uh-huh. year ago when I had a PS3, which I unfortunately had to sell. Oh. But I'm, I'm looking to buy a new one because I need a Blu-ray player in my life again. But I'm, I'm, I am somewhat interested. I'm not a big video game person. I'm not either. I, I know more about what's going on in video games mm-hmm. than I've ever spent time playing them, which is weird, but true. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's because I, I'm a writer and I spend so much time writing. Like, the big elaborate story-based video games, the RPGs and all that, I, I can't really get into those. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I just get annoyed going around and talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you know? Oh, you want me to trade this for this? All right. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Um, but I I, the, I played a bit of the demo of the first Batman um, game, and it was fun. There was a lot of action, and it, it's also a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sneaking around and being stealthy, and I, that's not my speed. <laughs> you're, you're a very innately violent man. You just I, want to kill. <laughs> I do. I know, that's, I'm super into Mortal Kombat games. I always have been. I love it. It's, just, it's short. You don't have to spend a lot of time with it. You just go and you beat someone up. And it's fun. <laughs> I, like, I never knew this about you. I'm learning oh, so much. <laughs> oh, I love it. I actually I have uh, the Mortal Kombat versus DC. Oh, I've seen that being played. That is a crazy game. That is fun times. Me and Alex, uh, we when I first got it, he came over and I think we spent about three hours and we played through almost the entire story mode of the game. Well, and that story is nuts. It is. It's insane. It makes no sense, but it was fun times oh because God. I was just beating the shit out of Superman, which is fun. I'm not going to lie. I enjoy that, but yeah, I'm looking to get the new PS3 and then I'll, and I may dip into some games. Um, okay. He continues. Also, do you guys play Minecraft space question mark? It's a very fun and addictive game. I have no idea how that game is played. I, I that's a game that confuses me. <laughs> I know Alex, Alex was into the Minecraft for a while, but I, I have not. What podcast do you guys listen to space question mark? I listen to a podcast like Leog, aka the League of Extremely Ordinary Gentlemen. It's a comic book podcast. It's space. Its sense of humor is a is lot is lot like your, and I think you you guys <laughs> should really give it a listen. It's on a great website called Spill.com, and Leog is the reason I love Twin Peaks, and because of that, I listen to the Twin Peaks podcast, and because of that, I listen to Ramjack. And it all comes full circle, semicolon. Okay, that's interesting, because we'd asked how Alfio listened to the podcast, and it's through mm-hmm. the Twin Peaks podcast, which I appreciate and is awesome. I should, I should look into that. Uh, Leog, I love how it's referred to. Um, I, I know less about comic books than I do about uh, video games, to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. But it sounds uh, interesting. Yes, but okay, he asked for what podcast do you listen to? Uh, okay, um... Wait, can I start? 
Uh, let me. <laughs> yes. b- before I just want I want to say um I think you should be listening to Cough Syrup. Oh, what a delightful plug! Uh, yes, Cough Syrup is the show I co-host with my friend Michael Stone. Uh, we spend each episode discussing two topics over the course of an hour. Um, it runs a little bit longer than that usually, but uh, yeah, we play music at the end. It's fun. It is fun times. I enjoy it much. Some of the podcasts that I listen to, uh, my favorite easily is Oh uh, Yeah Dude, U-H-H-Y-E-A-H-D-U-D. Yes. It's, it's amazing. It, they're bordering on their 300th episode, and it's still just as good as it ever was. Seriously. Quality all the way through. I've listened to the yes. entire run, at this point, at least seven times. Seven times? I'm prob- I, I keep telling people I'm on my fourth, because... Mm-hmm. Even when you know the the material they've covered, it's they're just so naturally funny. It's yeah. it's a great pair of hosts. Yeah, Indeed. so please get into that if you're listening. Uh, Greg Proops' podcast, The Smartest Man in the World, is fantastic. Agreed. Um, he just has a great ability to stand on his own and and fill up an hour's worth of time just so effortlessly and gracefully. Um, again, yeah, I completely agree with Jonathan's picks there. I would also recommend The Young Turks, which is a great uh, news and politics podcast, but it's also, it's very lighthearted and fun. I am a big fan of that. The Nonprofits Skeptoid, which is a weekly skeptical podcast. They're short, like 15 minutes a piece usually. They're always very entertaining. The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Um, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks is very fun, very funny show. Just looking at my iPod here, Comedy Bang Bang, which is a really great podcast and if you like podcasts uh with similar discussions about crazy terrible movies there's the flop house that's a lot of fun those guys are uh fun uh glitter in the garbage is great if you want to hear character-based uh improv scenes uh th- that's basically the gimmick of that um how was your week with julie klausner she's really hilarious um and my brother my brother and me which is a fake advice show nice so that's that's basically it on my part um. Um, I would also recommend CarniCast if you like the show Carnival, because our pal Claire hosts that. Ah, nice. And she's awesome. And um, also, um, it, there's a lot There's a lot of shows right now where, that are covering uh, TV shows, if you want to go back and watch things. There's Potential Cast, which is a Buffy podcast, and Redemption Cast, which is the same people doing Angel. And there is Fisher Cast, which is Six Feet Under, which I'm just watching for the first time, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've heard from many people that, that show is something I need to catch up on. It's it's very good. I really enjoy watching these shows with podcast because uh, the most of them, how they're wor- working is that they've got um, a couple of people that have never seen it before and are watching it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you're watching for the first time with them, which is fun, you know. And then you can all and everybody has Facebook groups now, so we can all go and and chat. Okay. Oh, um. Also, Alfio, I think you may enjoy this because you mentioned uh, comic books. Um, Tom versus the Flash. Or well, now it's Tom versus Aquaman. It's just one guy who is very funny, Tom Caters, reviewing old comic books, issue by issue, and they're usually about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, almost panel by panel sometimes. Yes, it's very funny stuff, because old comic books are hilarious. Uh, yes, they're, yes, the premises are pretty bizarre. Oh, and also, as far as comedy podcasts go, um, Pod F Tomcast. Oh, oh god, yes, clearly. Quality stuff, quality stuff. Um, Nonsense Cast, that's a fun podcast, with our friends, uh, um, Mike and Dez. Also, the podcast Nerd Hurdles. Very, very, oh, that's a very funny show. Um, it comes out through the Simply Syndicated Network, which do a lot of fun shows, uh, like movies you should see. A lot, a lot of fun shows, but Nerd Hurdles is one of my favorites. Now, I noticed you didn't recommend any podcasts from that one network that you discussed on a recent episode. Oh, well, of course, um, the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. (laughs) 
I would not recommend anyone ever listen to them because like, they're horrible like the, humans. I don't like the fact that their network name in no way indicates that they're a Christian organization. Ugh. It makes them sound like an NPR ripoff. Yeah. I don't appreciate that. If you're a Christian network, make it clear in the fucking name of the network. Fuck you, generally speaking, podcast network. Generally speaking. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Oh, fuck those fuckers. All right, so, all right, so th- those are our podcast recommendations. I know it's a lot, but... Uh, Enjoy that. And, of course, keep listening to the Twin Peaks podcast because we only have a few episodes left. Believe it or not, uh, Alfio has a lot of a lot of questions still left to go. Right. So, okay, okay. So, we're moving on. Okay, past the semicolon and to... And I can't believe I said that movie like The Thing and A Nightmare on Elm Street were old, and I am sorry for that. And I think 90% of horror movies that come out today are crap, and the good ones are overshadowed by shit remakes and unoriginal garbage. So what do you guys think that are good modern horror movies? Space question mark. Good modern horror movies. Well, and also just combining with that, um, and what do you guys recommend to watch for Halloween? (laughs) Question mark, semicolon. Yes. Together. I like those. Together. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get to this sooner. Sorry, we've been running behind on feedback, but... Um, I love the paranormal activities. I, I watched the second one on Netflix, and I actually went to bed a little spooked. I, so I liked it a lot more than the first one, actually. It's you know, it's just I think it's a brilliant use of you know the anticipation, and that's what I love about it. Sure, they 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 try so hard to make you understand that you're in a very realistic mm-hmm. world to begin with. That I I, I became frustrated when people weren't consistently watching the footage when when strange things started happening I'm like well at that point wouldn't you wouldn't you go through all of the footage and wouldn't you immediately find some no. things that they didn't they, they just didn't find in the footage in the movie mm-hmm. like I don't know like at a certain point uh, oh the, like uh, it's, you know spoiler if you haven't fucking seen it uh, you know stop right now but uh, that moment where the baby is just like hovering in the cradle mm-hmm like, no one saw that footage, and I think enough had happened at that point. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, and especially in the second one, I, there's because there's, like, five cameras going all the time. Right. To look through that footage would be ridiculous. Even if you do it through fast-forward, you're probably not going to catch that. Right, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I, I did enjoy it. It, it. it freaked me out, especially yeah. towards the end. I, and again, I, I really recommend the third one. They, they twisted it, which I appreciate. Hmm, interesting. So, um, but other modern are, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, for Halloween, uh, for Halloween festivities, I watched, uh, the original Poltergeist, which I had never mm. seen. That came off more kind of, uh, goofy and Spielbergian mm. than anything else. But, uh, I also watched Wreck, which, uh, apparently was remade in America as Quarantine. Oh, uh, uh, okay. But Wreck was really fucked up. It was like a Spanish, uh, mm-hmm. essentially zombie film. Yeah, I heard it's much better than the remake. Yeah, I I have a feeling it it is because the acting in in the in this version is is pretty good. So also stuff I watched recently, I watched a Troll Hunter recently, which is on Netflix, which is really good. It's not really scary, but it's it's very well done. Interesting. If uh, if you haven't seen the movie Behind the Mask, that's a very very fun movie. It's sort of a mockumentary of a horror of a slasher, basically. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good yeah. movie. Yeah, because it starts off and it's very tongue-in-cheek, but then by the end it actually gets uh, pretty suspenseful. I I recommend those. All right, let's finish up this email. Yes. Also, do you guys watch The Walking Dead? Space question mark. I, lowercase I, think the first season is good with a great first episode and the rest being mediocre. I think the first episode of the second season is better than the entire first season. So what do you guys think? Space question mark. Semicolon. I I hate to overlap on that uh, grammar lesson there, but... uh... 
I haven't watched it. I, I've heard as much, though, that the first episode was really very good, and then the rest of that first season was pretty bad. It, it was... I, I liked the first season. I mean, it wasn't the greatest thing, and I, the graphic novels, which I've read the first five volumes, it, I, they're, they're definitely better, but it's different, which I appreciate. Yeah, I like the first season okay, but the second season so far has been really fucking amazing. Huh. Well, there you go. Oh, also, I would recommend American Horror Story, because it's fucking awesome. Oh, boy. I would vehemently disagree. <laughs> oh, you're crazy. Oh, that pilot? Oh, my. I was angry by the end of that pilot. And everyone keeps saying it gets better, mm-hmm. but oh, my goodness. That, sh- that show stuffed more plot into one episode than any show I've ever seen. It did, but I, it, the pilot was very intense with weirdness oh. and um, plot. It's depressing, too. Yeah. Like, I got really kind of just down. But it's, I, I, it's definitely, it's, I just caught up actually this week. I hadn't watched it until, I watched the first episode, I think, last Thursday, and then I've been catching up since then. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's, people, it's, people keep telling me to catch up. I don't know. It is very good. Very good. Sorry I am not Facebook anymore, but my old computer crapped out on me, and I don't know if it got a virus because of Facebook. But good news, I got a new computer that's better than my old one. It's an HP Omni 100 PC all in one. That means it's computer and monitor in one and has a built-in webcam built in, so I might be sending you guys a video message next time. Sincerely, Alfio. Congratulations on the new computer. I also have a new computer. All right, an, stop throwing your new technology around. I have an Asus. It's it's a small, you know, notebook. It's nice. I like it. I have it, a Asus brand computer. Asus. I like it. It's fun. It's it's it works very well, and I love it. And it was I got a decent deal through the Amazon. Is there paranormal activity happening in that apartment as we speak? Yeah. Every time I record a podcast, the neighbors decide to walk around. Oh my goodness! You can hear them. Spooky. But All yeah. Right. Oh, uh, but please send us a video message. That would be awesome. We would we would enjoy that much. Um, and I'm and I'm glad that you're no longer Facebook because that's not a good thing to be. Well, you, you read it wrong. That paragraph reads as "Sorry, it I am not Facebook." <laughs> oh, I'm, that is right. Sorry, it I am not Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, it I am not Facebook. So he's saying I am not Facebook anymore. At least <laughs> I used to be Facebook. Awesome, Alfio. <laughs> we always love your emails because they are great. Thank you much. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. On another exciting episode of Ramjack. Yes, yes. Episode 79, correct? It is! Oh, 79. So close to 80. Such an old, old man this podcast has become. Oh, ah, so many numbers! What, ah. what happens when it becomes the age that Andy Rooney was when he died? <laughs> then we just start talking about how much we hate things. <laughs> and, yes, exactly. But maybe you hate things and you'd like to tell us about it. You can do that in a variety of ways. You could call us at 206-339-5894 or email us at ramjackpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us at Twitter at ramjackpodcast or visit the website curiosityabounds.com slash ramjack. And what you want to do more than anything in the world is join the Facebook group because that's where all the fun is. It is a lot of fun. A lot of people post links that have to do with the episode that just was published uh, it's it's very up to date in in that way indeed it's it's a good place to discuss the the goings on of the podcast you can see a picture of the creel triplets oh my <laughs> which blows my mind <laughs> um yeah a lot of fun things happening there so definitely join that and get in on the fun and of course if you want to send us uh, winter solstice cards expensive gifts our handmade mittens you can send something to the PO box which is PO box 721841 Newport Kentucky 41072 also, the $30 million challenge is still in effect. We're looking for the first five people to send us $30 million. There's a load of prizes. You're going to want that mouse pad. Jonathan, if you had $30 million right now, how bad would you want that mouse pad? 
<laughs> um, now that mouse pad sounds pretty choice. <laughs> Wonderful. Everyone should do it. Remember, first five. Do the thing. Do the thing he just said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh... Oh, Brad, sorry, well, real quick. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to announce that uh, I have... A special someone in my life, you know, back when I was on the show regularly, I, I often talked about how I was single, but I, I met someone just this past Halloween. His name is Al Ghul, he's very sweet, very handsome, and he's an actual, actual, actual... The darling of the beam elite. Why does everyone fall at my feet? Could it be because I'm so sincerely sweet? Yes, I know how to be a master. Ooh-ah. Cultivate the need. Corrupt them by the greed. Ooh-ah. Slaves are guaranteed. When you know how to be a master, he knows how to be a master. Hop is such a long, hard climb. Millions of people stand and wait in line. Do you think I got the being patient and kind? Yes, I know how to be a master. Ooh-ah. Push and shove and claw. Ooh-ah. Step on those who fall. Ooh-ah. It takes no time at all. Ooh-ah. When you know how to be a master, he knows how to be a master. Being cruel continuously Sometimes I tire So I show sympathy But now we've had this tete-a-tete You see, yes, I know how to be A master Ooh, I Lure them into chains Ooh, I Whip them till they're tame Ooh, They'll learn to love their pain When you know Ooh, how to be a, a master He knows how to be a, a master The world is but a big casino royale With bodies to buy, souls to sell Do I win by playing just the cards I've been dealt? Yes, I know how to be a master Ooh-ah, lie, cheat, steal Ooh-ah, betray and double deal Ooh-ah, it's you who spins a wheel Ooh-ah, when you know how to be a master Ooh-ah, cultivate a need Corrupt them by the greed. Ooh, Slaves are guaranteed. Ooh, when you know how to be a master. Ooh, when you know how to be a master. Ooh, when you know how to be a master. Ooh, when you know how to be a master. Ooh, when you know how to be a master. Ooh, when you know how to be a master. Ooh, when you know how to be a master. Ooh,